Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 181. And today we're here with Russ from Aquidity Instruments. Russ, what's up, brother? Going pretty well. Ah, man, thank you for uh, for being on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. So, it's Acuity. Acuity. Okay. Acuity. What did I say? Acuity. Acuity. Or uh, Acuity. I don't know. I've, oh, I my get confused. It's so, so hard. So acuity. It so doesn't that's, matter, man. All you need to know is our stuff is purple and it's pretty nice. Well, that, that's my first question. So let's start off. Let's start off with these. Why uh, acuity? So uh, when we started out, the uh, first product that we made was uh, Hall Effect TPS uh, that works on the RSX and the EP3. You know, people like them for case swaps. And, um, I mean, you, you've done swaps, you know what it's like to use some of the TPSs that are out there, whether you get the, the ones that are from overseas that just have low quality or all the different aftermarket ones, like it's kind of hard to get one that's pretty decent and that reads reliably, especially if you have like really stiff motor mounts Yeah. and your engine's vibrating a lot. So that was the first product that we went after. Um, and we wanted to pick a name that, um, basically just said what we were all about, like making sensors. At the time, we thought we were going to make a lot of sensors. It didn't, gotcha. it didn't turn out that way. We just made the one. But we wanted a name that basically meant like accuracy or precision. Gotcha. And so acuity is like, you know, visual acuity when you go to the uh, optometrist, when you're reading the little lines on the board. Um, so that's where that came from. Gotcha. Um, Do you run into issues a lot with, with the name? Uh, like people saying it? Yeah. Not really, dude, because, I mean, how often are people really saying things anymore? Everything's on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And honestly, when they when they say it wrong, like, a lot of times, uh, they're like, I really don't know how to say it, so I'm just going to say whatever. And we're like, whatever. We, you know, probably should have picked something that could, you could pronounce better. That was me. Starful. That was me. That was the first thing that's I asked you. Dude. And I still messed it that's, up. That's like, you'll, you'll, you'll probably agree with this with marketing, uh, like, if... The customer doesn't get the message is probably on you or yeah. me you know what i mean like well, so when people say the name wrong i'm like well shit that's on me for picking that name i should have done some market <laughs> research well the first the way that you went after finding the name that makes total sense you know but once i know how it is when you're building a brand you get the name and you you don't look at it from like the outside you know and then you finally no, you show don't. somebody and they're like, oh, equity, I like that. And you're like, no. And then you first realize, like, oh, shit. You're this like, could shit, be that's in- not me. And Dang. you you know what, what's crazy, dude, is uh, you know Weekfest, right? Yep. Dude, the Weekfest, I tell this story all the time. Weekfest started from the shop in San Jose, which was called Week Sauce. They started the festival, which was sure. Weekfest. Then that spread, and they're doing their tour, you know, all around the world. But for some reason, people in down south in the East Coast and pretty much that side of the country that's not California, it's Weckfest. And I'm like, no, it's now, not Weckfest. It's Weekfest. Now, do you think that everybody on our side of the country says it wrong because of like a dialect difference or just because they're not as plugged into the, the car culture they around just, you guys? They just don't know where the name is from because the shop is Weak yeah. Sauce. So yeah, if they knew it was from Weak Sauce, I think they'd... Yeah, and I've explained it to people, and then a few minutes later, I'll be like, yeah, so anyways, uh, Weckfest is next month, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, you just gotta let it go. You just gotta let it be. You're like, shit, it's Weckfest now. (laughs) That's what it is. (laughs) Yeah. But shout out to Weekfest, man. But, uh, okay, so um, second question, the purple. The purple, the purple. 
Uh, the purple was a decision that we made, and we were like, this is either going to be a really good idea or it's going to hose us. Yeah. And we're not going to sell anything. Um, so, like, the reason we picked purple was because you really just don't see it in the automotive aftermarket. I mean, you know, you make purple parts. Everybody, like, makes purple parts. But, like, you don't really see a brand where they're, they're like, our color's purple. You see red and black a lot, uh, especially because it comes from, like, the Type R and the SI and everything like that. So people expect that with performance. But, you know, it's, as cool as red and black look together, like, for, like, a performance angle, it it's been done so many times that it's not recognizable as, like, a brand, like, color scheme anymore. Um, so we were, like, you know... You know how it is in the industry. You got to stand out. You got to like. You got to fight to stand out. Yeah. Um, so we just said, you know, screw it. Nobody's using this, or very few people are using it. So let's use it. But um, like, I think that the comfort level with purple is a little weird for some people to kind of like um, understand. But for us, it makes a lot more sense. So um, my business partner and I, we both went to uh, LSU, Louisiana State University. Okay. And so their their colors are purple and gold. And then since we're in southern Louisiana, um, we have Mardi Gras every year. And, you know, that's the big thing in New Orleans, Mardi Gras, right? Yeah. Why does everybody go to New Orleans? They want to celebrate Mardi Gras. And those colors are purple, green, and gold. Um, so we're kind of like in the city that we're in, we're kind of immersed in a culture that's like really comfortable with purple. Gotcha. I mean, you see grown-ass like alpha male dudes walking around town all day in purple. Yeah. So it's. It's nothing to us. I think for other people, maybe it's that like it's a little bit more of like um, a feminine color or something. Yeah. But around here, it's totally different. Got you, got you. I feel you on that, dude. Have you ever read the book called uh, Purple Cow? No, I haven't. Got you. I haven't finished it. Uh, I actually read probably like one and a half pages, so I still have a little more to go on it. But it's like a entrepreneur book, and it's basically saying kind of the. Um, something about you know like marketing the color purple something to stand out like you're gonna need a cow that's purple if you see a purple cow it's gonna stand out what is that about you know but yeah. um and then too as far as the, the color purple i mean me from from like hip-hop culture i'm i'm down with that from like cameron yeah. purple haze you know back in the day yep. it was like i think probably around maybe the early 2000s is when i gave up that colors uh meant uh effeminate things you know what i mean well, I, I don't think like the younger culture feels like that e either I, I think that's more about like maybe like our generation and the people before us yeah definitely it felt like they had to be something now everybody just feels like they have to be unique and whatever they have to do they yeah they do that and then i i remember uh seeing baby pictures of myself and my dad would have like pink lacoste polos on i said what the hell is that <laughs> that stuff was dope man we <laughs> back in the day <laughs> Yeah, dude. <laughs> Dope, man. So you guys are out in uh, Baton Rouge, you say? Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we're like, um, it's like an hour and a half northwest of New Orleans. Got you. Um, so close enough that in college we got into a lot of trouble down there. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so we're, we're in Baton Rouge right now. Um, and in about... It's a little over a year. We're going to be moving to Atlanta. Ooh, I love uh, it. Probably like the northeast part of Atlanta. Okay. Um, it's not really like a strategic move for the business. We since we're web based, you know, we can kind of operate anywhere. Um, but 
everybody at Acuity has lived in Baton Rouge or like near Baton Rouge for most of their life. And everybody just kind of has an itch to live somewhere a little bit bigger with a little bit more going on. Um, it's more centrally located in, in terms of racetracks. Yeah. And, you know, we love going racing. So that's that's a little bit easier, too. And then by by being in Atlanta, you're by um, the uh, the Delta hub. So like flights are hella cheap. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By, by us, we've got like a smaller airport. So it's a little bit more expensive to travel. Got you. How are you feeling about traveling so, right now? I feel like I'm going to be doing a lot of driving. <laughs> I feel you on I'm, that. Uh, I'm supposed to be, vi I got family in Raleigh and I'm supposed to be visiting them uh, next month. And uh, it's like, I want to say it's about a thousand miles and I'm driving it. Oh man. That might Have be the better yet? thing. No. Are you gonna? I don't know, man. I have events coming in September, but shit feels like we're going backwards right now. So I don't know how what, things what are, all are you going look. to. So we're, we're supposed to be going to Ibox. So okay. we'll see you there at that. As long as that happens. Ibox SoCal. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Because that's like it's like the 17th or the 18th of September or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, um, actually, let me look. Or no, up. no. That's the weekend before that. After that, we have like literally the weekend after Ibach, we're going to be at Import Alliance in Atlanta. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's going to kind of suck because we got to get our booth to SoCal. And then a week later, it's got to be in Atlanta. Okay, got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Ibach, uh, just to everybody listening right now, Ibach is September 13th. SoCal, September 13th. Um, and then I guess in October uh, 24th and 25th in Florida. So, uh, I mean, if things look well, we'll definitely be out there. SoCal, okay. SoCal will be out there. Um, but after the weekend after that which i believe is the same weekend as import alliance in atlanta is h day in uh maryland oh man yeah. you gotta travel yeah man so um i'm just trying to see how things are gonna be you know it, yeah. they're having h day the in new hampshire which is in august i believe like the 15th or 16th 17th somewhere around there but we're not gonna be able to make that date just because um you know it was we just didn't have enough time to plan for it. So, uh, it's hard to go to events, man. It's it is, hard. man. Speaking of events, uh, you know, I'll get to events right now, but I just want to tap into Atlanta, dude. That's so awesome that you guys are going to relocate out there. I was telling you before uh, we started that if I was to move anywhere, it would definitely be out in Atlanta. So that's cool. Do you, do you think you would ever move out of SoCal? You seem pretty rooted, man. Uh, yeah. So I would want to have a second property. You know, um, something in That's Atlanta. That, yeah, dude, you got to dream big, bro. You know? You do, dude. You got to dream big. And all the dreams that I've ever had when I was younger, they really wouldn't even equal to the life we're living right now. So I was kind of like selling myself short back in the yeah. day. So ever since I've got the taste of like, you know, you work hard and then stuff comes out of it, you know, I just keep feeding the machine, man. And uh, it just makes my dreams a lot bigger. Do you ever have times where like you kind of like forget to dream a little bit in terms of like your own personal life because you get so wrapped up in Downstar and uh, and you start to like briefly forget why you do it? Because I, I definitely have moments like that where I'm like grinding so hard to push our brand yeah. that I kind of like forget about having a personal life. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? And then I'm like, I've got to. 
I got to set some goals or something like things that I want to do, places I want to go or gotcha. whatever. Well, so um, you feel like that motivation. I've, I've definitely had those feelings, but in the past few years or so, I've kind of shifted my, um, my mentality of how I want things to go, what, what I want life to look like. And I've been focusing on that a lot more and that's less money driven and, and less growing the brand and more of just letting things grow organically. That's while, perfect though, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is because I, I've lived so much of my 20s living like that, you know, just, okay, I gotta go to this show and this, and dude, there's so many shows that I've gotten, probably hundreds of shows, and a lot of that, I didn't enjoy the time that I was there because I get there early, you know, I'm tired, I'm burnt out, finally go to the show, set up, talking to everybody, the, the show goes goes by so quick, and then at nighttime, you want to go eat and after. Okay, cool. We'll meet up after you go eat. And then after you eat, you're like, shit, I'm done. And then, you know, the weekend's over. It's yeah. like, it's, it, you have to really take time and make sure that you're experiencing the moments that you're having. Yeah. Because yeah. it's you're going to come to that harsh realization. And a lot of people never do. But money isn't everything. You know, and, yeah. and once you get to that point where all your bills are paid, you have enough money, you're not struggling over that. Then you start thinking like, wow, this doesn't feel like I thought it was going to feel back in yeah. the day. This if I feel kind of empty, you know, and this money yeah. that I have in the bank really isn't doing anything for me because uh, I just bought a new car and that lasted for a few weeks. But I don't I don't feel like I thought I would when I get that car, you know, so. Yeah. It's just what I what I like to think about it is these moments that we're having. This is the only things that really matters, the moments and the memories and then everything else. It'll come or go when when it's time you'll you'll make money, you'll lose money, you'll spend you'll you'll buy things, you'll sell things. It's it's just the natural progression of things. But it's really about the memories that you have are only the only things that really matter. I would, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I de like, I feel like I've come to that realization more recently as, um, we've focused less on like, um, I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. Um, like recently with the growth that we've seen, I'd say like over the last six months, mm -hmm. we've, we've kind of like transitioned from the point of like, just feeling like we're grinding and it's taken everything out of us to a point where like, we can breathe and we have enough like help that yeah. we can get everything we need to do done without being exhausted. And it's, it's finally gotten me to the point where it's, it's like you say, where you're like, I'm just going to enjoy the process now. Yeah. And especially with being like last year, we were trying to go to a lot of events and races and, um, just doing that repetitively kind of wore us out. Um, and I think maybe we were like setting it up in a way where we were wearing ourselves out that we could have, we could have done that better. Um, but now with having to stay, you know, indoors and, and social distance and everything, man, I don't care what time I have to wake up to go to races and car shows. Like, I just want to go do things. Oh gotcha. my gosh. So, so you've been on lockdown yeah. pretty bad. Uh, well, we've, we've been trying to, we've been trying to be responsible, you know, like, um, there's a lot of people that are going out and partying and stuff. And I mean, yeah. if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't want to contribute to making things worse. So like for me, my fiance, uh, most of the people that work here at Acuity, we've been mostly, you know, staying at home, not going out more than we have to keep yeah. face masks on. I mean, 
we get our socializing in here at the office a little. But, yeah. You know, it's not exactly the same. But yeah, we're we're pretty locked down down here. Uh, I think I think it's similar to what you guys are experiencing, except I think maybe um, you guys have possibly like more rules in place about what you can and can't do with like local government. Yeah. So what's what's it like for you? Uh, say if you're going to go to a restaurant, what is what would that look like? Honestly, I haven't. Okay. Uh, I know that most of the restaurants are encouraging people to eat outside. Gotcha. So like they've got seating, you know, that's spaced pretty well outside. Uh, but from what I've seen, I mean, you'll have a place that's got like 20 tables with like four of them filled. Ah, so you. it's not really popping. <laughs> yeah. Um, out here, I mean, from the outside looking in, it probably looks like there's so much rules and everything in California. But if you were born in California, you're kind of known to like just break the rules. So you just ignore them. Just ignore them. So we don't have them. You guys ignore them. We all do the same thing. It's the same. You know, people always talk about like, uh, you know, the the missions laws and stuff here in California. I'm like, oh, I yeah, know you don't pay attention but to nobody really cares about it. Like there's so much ways around everything, whether you have a, a, a smog shop that can do it for you, you know, somebody at the yeah. DMV or whatever, you know, you have to take advantage of the loops in the system just the way that the government takes advantage of us. It's the same way, dude. And just yeah. this, the, the easiest way that I like to explain it is, you know, people have problems with police and all that. You know, I get that. But like automotive wise, I get that. But you have to realize that their job is to catch you and your job is to not get caught. So if you got caught, that's your fault. And that's how I look at it, you know, and that's how I look at everything. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life, but I know the risk. I know the risk. And if I get a ticket, okay, well, I'll pay the ticket, whatever. But I'm going to live my life however I want to live it. And that's how I've been doing it since this uh, shutdown. My, my dad raised me uh, saying it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. There you go. <laughs> that's the best, man. That's the best. Uh, and then I feel like I've lived my uh, a, a lot of my life really responsibly and by the rules. So I'm kind of like, fuck it nowadays, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, yeah, nobody else is playing by the rules, whatever. I'll be nice yeah. to people. You know, I'm not going to be mean, but yeah, I'm going to put that cold air intake on my car and oh, yeah. fail smart. De okay, yeah. <laughs> Definitely, man. We got a lot of other problems to worry about besides smog, dude. So real, dude. when all of those things get taken care of, when people give attention to that, I'm like, okay, I'll take this. I'll take this stuff seriously. But if you're not taking these other problems seriously, I don't give a shit about your smog problems or whatever you got going on. And guys, that's just have me. You, Don't take that advice. Well, while all this COVID stuff has been happening, have you spent much time um, talking to people abroad, like outside of the United States, about like how they're handling it and stuff? You know, I haven't, but that's really a great opportunity for sure. So I have been a lot because I've been like really curious about it. Um, uh, so, you know, we have vendors in East Asia, whether it's like uh, South Korea or China or Japan. Um, we've got vendors that sell for us in like Singapore, Australia, and then the UK. Got you. Um, and um, I've just been like really curious about how other cultures deal with it. And um, it's weird, dude. The United States is like, we're, we're fucking cowboys, dude. Really? Nobody wants to listen to rules. Yeah, dude. Like um, in China, the, they all wear the masks. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll wear the mask. It's no problem. Um, but at the same time, it's funny, I talk to them and they wear the masks because there's rules to wear the masks. And I, I think that deep down, they believe that the masks help. Yeah. But they're all kind of like, um, 
uh, like a little resentful that they are forced to wear the mask by the government and that it's not a choice. Yeah. And so they're like, uh, yeah, shit's going out of control in the United States, but it's cool that you guys get to decide to make it out of control. Well, that's the thing, you know, you go to Japan and that's the culture. Uh, people would wear the mask. And uh, the first time I went there, I thought it was weird. But after a while, I'm like, no, it's it's kind of cool. You know, if you're it's respectful, if you're sick, yeah, yeah, wear the mask. Respectful. If you uh, have, you know, um, a faulty immune system or whatever it is, you wear the mask or however, if you feel comfortable, you wear the mask. So it's not something yeah. weird. Uh, you never really touch other people's things, their cards or anything like that. They'll put it on a tray or something like that. So they follow the rules a lot. But then there is a subculture in Japan that just says, fuck it. And they do whatever the yeah. hell they want to do. They break the rules. They'll, they'll litter. They'll do whatever they want to do. And it's because they're, they don't like those kind of, they don't like to be told what to do. And I feel like that's the U.S. spirit, at least that's how I feel about it. Yeah. You know, if this is supposed to be the land of the free, dude, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do, you know? And if the only thing that you can do to me besides throw me in jail is to give me a fine, that's what I work hard for. I work hard for this money, for these tools, and wherever these tools are going to go, it doesn't really matter to me. These tools but are going to go to feed me. These tools are going to go to make me have shelter for travel or whatever. And then this is miscellaneous this is for speeding tickets whatever the hell it is you know and that's that's how i like to live life and other people they they don't feel like that because they haven't put themselves in that situation where a speeding ticket isn't a big deal it's just like okay it's just a ticket i'll pay it i think people get really confused about the difference between uh things being illegal and things being immoral yeah definitely you know what i mean i, I think that's where that stigma comes from yeah like just this confusion that illegal is immoral you know what actually really yeah you're, you're so right about that i never even thought about it like that but for sure man because when people think that you break the law or you went to jail or something it's automatically like oh you're a bad person but when you start diving into it it's just like that this doesn't make any sense and if we went if if the government or the people who are in control had to follow the same rules that we had to follow like they they wouldn't be doing the things that they do there's so much crooked yeah. stuff that goes on that we don't even know about you know just like p people the, the police being able to give you tickets for tinted windows or stupid things like that all that is is just revenue you know yeah and people are like you shouldn't have tinted windows because it's illegal I don't give a shit if it's illegal, bro. I haven't gotten an inspection sticker in like three years on my daily because of the illegal ass tint. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> it, I have my windshield tinted, dude. And it's like, okay, well, what if you get a ticket? Well, then I'll pay it. And I just think yeah. that people really limit their life experiences due to rules, you know? Yeah. And you, like you said, just because you break the rules doesn't mean that you're an immoral person because I feel like my morals are the the best that they've ever been in 35 years and comparing to a lot of other people's morals i feel that i hold myself a lot higher than others do like the things that i do the way that i treat people the way that every interaction goes whenever i speak with somebody i always want to make it a positive interaction whether yeah. i'm at the gas station you know i ask the clerk how they're doing how's their day things like that i feel like yeah, that is way more important you. of course than having tinted windows 
but people yeah. they'll follow the rules as much as they can just like people that go you know i don't want to get into religion but people that are very religious people they follow on those rules but then behind the scenes they're doing fucked up shit yeah no dude that yeah let's not go that route <laughs> yeah but yeah i feel you so like i funny story and i don't mean this isn't a gotcha yeah my dad was a minister for like 10 years oh wow right yeah so when when he did it i was younger he was originally in he was a programmer and, and then for some reason he was like i want to move my family to the south and be a minister uh his heart's too big maybe yeah uh, but he got into it mostly to do like relief work and stuff and like outreach work not really like um like spreading re the religious word but gotcha. just like helping helping communities that need help like uh you remember when katrina hit yes uh when katrina hit he would go into uh really wealthy neighborhoods and they would throw out the refrigerators because the power went out or they flooded and the refrigerators are full of nasty food and these people are just, you know, they got so much bucket money that they just push the whole uh, refrigerator out to the curb. And they're like, I'll just buy a new one. Yeah. So my dad would go and he'd put those in his pickup truck, bring them home, throw out the food, power wash them, clean them, get them nice. And then go to the, the um, like, you know, Section 8 areas, stuff like that, and give away, like, appliances. Wow. Um, but the, no, but the, the funny thing was... He would, dude, he loved breaking rules so much. Like, that's all he liked yeah. to do. If he could break a rule and get away with it, uh, not like immoral stuff, but just, just like, you know, if he could, you know, run a red light camera and then yeah. get out of it or yeah. something like that. He loved that stuff. So I think that's where that attitude came from for me, where you're like, you know, like, be good to people and then anything else, just do whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely, man, because I, I feel like being good to people, giving off positive energy, and just, just making somebody's day feel a lot better rather than worse is way more important than so much other stuff that we do throughout our day. Yeah. So I, I try to do that as much as possible. Um, I, I try to do a lot of things that I struggled with growing up, meaning I really didn't have a lot of people around, a lot of friends, a lot of people that were interested in what I was doing, basically interested in me as a person besides yeah, like, like wanting to invest in you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I remember how it made me feel and I never want to make anybody feel like that. And if I can make people not feel like that, I I'll do anything yeah. that I can. And just like convincing people that they're intelligent. Yeah. Like I, I know, you, I know you love to talk about like starting a business and getting motivated to start businesses like too many people have a um, have a bad self image of themselves. Like I'm yeah. stupid. I can't do things. I can't learn. Yeah. And uh, that's that's like a big thing for me. Like telling people like you're like you can do things. I've seen you do things that you didn't think you could do. Yeah. Go try and do more things that you don't think you can do because you'll eventually get them. Yeah. So let's get into it. When did you when did you find that you had the entrepreneur um Dude, I've been trying. I don't even I know what the hell so, I was. Entrepreneurship I got, inside of you. I feel you. I get. I got the vibe. Yeah. Uh, dude, I tried so many things that failed. That's that's one thing that everybody needs to hear, right? Like, prepare to fail. Yeah. And it's okay. Um, I remember when like Kickstarter was really popping off, like maybe a decade ago. Got you. Dude, you can go on Kickstarter and find some silly ass videos with me in it. Oh really? Uh, yeah. 
there was um, there was one project I did. So I used to um, when I was in college, I built guitars. Okay, that was my big thing. I was like into woodworking and like building really high quality instruments, stuff like that. Um, and um, it didn't pay the bills, but it paid some of them, uh, like building guitars and selling them. Um, but I so in college, I kind of like ran like my own little business online and selling, building and selling my own custom guitars. And that went okay, um, but I uh, I got out of that. Well, one, the house I was living in got the front door kicked down, and everything in it got stolen while I was at school. Oh, wow. uh, while I was in college, I came home. It was like uh, it's probably like eight or nine at night. It was dark, and the front door of my house was literally on the ground, and there was a big ass footprint on it, dude. <laughs> like someone just kicked that bitch down. Uh, and my whole house was dark and I pulled up and I was the only one there and where I lived, it was kind of, it, it wasn't the hood, yeah. but it was like two blocks away. You could occasionally hear gunshots, yeah. right? Like not all the time, but like, you know, once a month. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I, you know, I come home, the house is dark. I'm like, what the fuck, man? So I call the cops and you know, you're like, cops aren't going to show up for like an hour. So let me go in this house. And uh, I didn't have, like, a gun or anything. I just had, like, a mag light. And I'm, like, going through the house. Like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And they had stolen all the guitars that I had built that were still at the house. A bunch of tools. Uh, a computer. A bunch of stuff. You know, and when I was in college, and I was broke. So that was everything. Um, so I got out of that because I didn't want to live there anymore. So I moved into an apartment and kind of gave up on guitars. And uh, part of that was I just got sick of building custom guitars for people. People have, like the worst taste mm -hmm. just collectively people would come and ask me to build guitars and i'd be like dude that guitar is whack i don't want to build it <laughs> it's like and a so ninja I'd turtle head or like, something I'd be like that guitar is gonna be five thousand dollars and they're like so and i'm like shit man i gotta build this ugly shit <laughs> uh so it kind of it kind of killed it for me because i wasn't really doing it for me anymore i was building other people's ideas and then i got robbed and i was just like i'm done i don't yeah. want to do this anymore um, so then I did some Kickstarters. One was this thing called a closet guitar hanger. And, um, it was a way to hang a guitar, uh, in your closet. Okay. Uh, sounds silly, but it was like basically like a coat hanger that had a thing that like held the neck of the guitar. And, uh, I did a Kickstarter and the Kickstarter did okay. Nobody was a millionaire. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I got enough to do a production batch and uh, I put them up on Amazon. I made a website and I'd make like a thousand bucks a month or something. Um, but you know, nobody was quitting their day job. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't figure out how to make that thing pop off. So I did another Kickstarter, um, that was called ferocious. Okay. Um, except it was spelled with two R's instead of one. And it was actually like this, um, little like circuit board. It was probably like this tall, like six inches tall total. And it was this glass vial, full of magnetic fluid and it would move to music. So no like you'd play music. Yeah, yeah. And there was like a few ounces of magnetic fluid in it suspended in the special alcohol and uh, had an electromagnet and it would listen to the sound in the room and the music would like, or the, the uh, fluid would bounce a little bit yeah. in the tube to the music. Whoa. Uh, it was, it was cool. It got on like Gizmodo and shit, but I, we sold like 15,000 of them, uh, 15, not, no, $15,000 worth of them. Gotcha. And, um, I mispriced it so bad, dude. I broke even. Oh, and I was like, I'm, I'm done with this. 
Um, so I kind of uh, gave up on the entrepreneurial stuff for a while um, while I was doing the work in uh, like Formula One and Le Mans doing heat exchanger design after college. Okay. Um, but eventually that job, like that was a dream job uh, at the beginning because we were traveling and we were visiting um, like all these different like F1 facilities and LMP facilities. Like we were doing road trips in Europe. Wow. It was like, yeah, like it's, it was like dream job level kind of thing. Um, but then towards the end of it, it started to switch more to um, defense and aerospace and like power gen. So it was like, um, you know, uh, gas turbine companies, companies that make tanks, companies that make uh, like drones and stuff like that. And um, it really wasn't as interesting to me anymore. And it wasn't like aligning with the things that I cared about anymore because gotcha. it got out of racing. And like, I don't really want to be responsible for designing like tank parts yeah, and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what that's going to be used for. Definitely. Uh, you know, maybe it'll save some lives and maybe it'll do some good, but maybe it won't. Yeah. And I don't know. I, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, and I was starting to work with stuff that was like big. When you're working in racing, like everything's small and light. You're never going to get hurt. Like, you know, you might design an oil cooler that's the size of this. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's not going to work. But we were starting to um, work on projects that were like um, multi-thousand pound heat exchangers. I almost got one of my fingers, like, chopped off. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, I, I didn't have to go to the hospital. It was just a very close call where I almost lost the tip of my finger on a project. And that's when I was like, you know what? I want to get back into car parts. Let's do car parts again. Yeah. And that was like the time where I was like, okay, let's let's make some car parts. Let's start a business. So this you started the business in 2016? Because I went back and it was your first post was February that's, 2016. That's probably, a, that's probably about right. So that, that wasn't when I went like full time. Like I never made the decision like I'm going to go full time. Gotcha. Boom, I start a business. You know how it goes like. You you were working at Best Buy, right? Yes, yes. And how long did you work on Downstar before you quit? From 2009 to 2012. Yeah, dude. And and I bet you were exhausted AF at the end of that. Yeah, I should have did it in 2011, but uh, yeah, I should have yeah, I should have done it sooner too, dude. Yeah. Is there have you ever met a business owner that said I should have waited longer to quit? <laughs> no. Not not a successful one. Either. Um but yeah, so we started, I want that sounds about right, like 2016, but it was a side hustle for like three years before I got to the point where I was like, okay, I can quit. I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage. Gotcha. Let's do it. I'm, I'm rolling the dice. Um, and so, you know, I started working on it when I kind of like saw the direction of that company changing and not aligning with what I like to do anymore. Gotcha. Um, but I had to stick it, stick it out for a pretty long time before it got to the point where I was, you know, comfortable with quitting. Gotcha. Okay. So before we get to the, the business and how all that started and everything, um, was the guitars your first time in, in buying and selling and starting a business? Um, I mean, if you want to go way back, I was, I was trying to sell customized grip tape in high school. Yes. That's skater. where I want to go to. Yes. So how yeah, did that work? So, yeah. So like, like I stopped skateboarding in high school. I know you still skate, but I knocked out my front teeth. Oh shit. Uh, yeah. The top, the two front teeth, those are fake. Oh. I mean, they're, they're in there. They're, <laughs> they're crowns and root canals. But yeah, dude, I, uh. I, I hit like a rock or something and uh -huh. I wasn't expecting it. And I went just face into the concrete 
it knocked my teeth out. Uh, oh. Dude, there was like my face was just got smashed, blood everywhere. I'm pretty sure I swallowed the teeth. Oh <laughs> damn! Were you just yeah, pushing or what? What, was... what? You were just skating? Yeah, I, was, I sucked though, dude. I sucked. Got you. Um, there was nowhere. There was nowhere good to skate by me. It's it's not like you guys where like you've got the city or you've got some parks and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in southern Louisiana, they do not care about skaters. It it's, it was only recently that they started. So like I think in in Baton Rouge we have like one fairly legit uh, concrete skate park gotcha. and maybe like two that are like concrete with wood ramps. Got you, got you, got you. But like where I lived, it was just like shitty concrete that was covered in gravel and stuff. So that was set up for failure. But yeah, like so I was trying to I was um, I've always been um, like artistic before I was an engineer. Um, I would say like. If I have a talent, it's probably like um, just I don't want to say thinking outside the box. That sounds so stupid. Yeah. But uh, just trying to be creative. I know. Like being artistic. And then I've always had to like back up the artist side with like a technical side. So like I would say like if if I'm a good engineer, uh, it's only because I have to be to see my ideas through. Got you. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, but so, yeah, I was like, I was like trying to like cut up grip tape and sell people grip tape. That was a failure, huge <laughs> failure. Uh, um, and then in sometime in high school, um, like my family didn't have very much money. Uh, I wanted to own like, are, are you a, a guitar guy or a bass guy at all? No, I mean, I respect it and I would love to know uh, how, yeah, so, but, but I never. But like heard the name, so you know what Gibson is. Yes. Right. So I really, um, in, in Southern Louisiana, jazz band is really big uh, because like, you know, New Orleans, like you got jazz uh, at all the bars at gotcha. nighttime. You got jazz for all the parades, whether it's Mardi Gras or whatever. I mean, they, they even have jazz funerals. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, like it's in the culture. And so it's a, it's a cool thing. Um, and so like when you're in high school, you kind of want to get into that. You know, you still play uh like like alternative music or whatever is the modern music is but getting into the jazz band is kind of like a cool way to like refine your your skill um but um so i was in jazz band family didn't really have much money and i really wanted like a nice les paul which is a guitar yeah. made by gibson and uh the one i wanted was like two thousand dollars uh i didn't have a good like side job i was making maybe like seven bucks an hour um, and you know, if you have a girlfriend, like, boom, all that money is gone. Yeah. You're, you're going out for a few dates and you are spanked. So, um, I was like, okay, I'm going to build a guitar. And my dad, he'd always like built cabinets and stuff in our garage. So I was like, ah, eh, we got most of the tools. So I kind of winged it and, uh, and I wound up with something decent on the first try. Wow. Um, and so I just kind of kept going with it. And then when I got to college, I was like, you know, people are hitting me up trying to buy these, so maybe I'll make a website. So I made a little website, um, and that was back when making a website really sucked. Like yeah. I didn't have to learn HTML, but I was like, I, "Dude, I think I used GoDaddy." Oh, got you. Yeah, like a GoDaddy website builder. Yeah. Back in like 2006, dude, that was rough, man. It's not like Shopify now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, that's one thing everybody needs to hear. Making a website is easy as fuck now. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do not, do not use making a website or a shopping cart as an excuse to not start a business. Yeah, shit's easy, <laughs> easy. Uh, 
But um, so, so, you know, I made a little website and I was building guitars. Um, and that was really the first time that I got somebody to give me what I would consider like a chunk of change. Got you. I think the, the cheapest guitar I sold was like two grand. Gotcha. Um, and it was for, it was for a baby. It was for like a four year old. Oh, it was wow. Tiny. It was like that long. Yeah. This, this kid had a pimping guitar, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would say that was the first time that I was like, oh, I'm doing something and it's kind of working. Um, and I would say it was probably at that point where I was like, okay, it's hard, but it'll go somewhere. Got like, you. What I, you know, like I, the time I'd say that was the time where I started like believing, okay, I can do this. Yeah. I feel like there's always that point in entrepreneur's life where they, you know, cause most entrepreneurs have bought, buy things, sell it profit you know and they'll make money but when you get to the point and you start realizing like wow i can actually make this a business because the more guitars i make the more i sell the more customers and you know you keep feeding that machine and it keeps growing but then yep. you run into issues like you said you know the the customer base it's taking too much labor time so then you you got to like fine tune it into the business that you want it to be but when you, you stop doing stuff that you don't really care for exactly Okay, everybody, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we'll be back in one minute. Hilto Automotive has been a supporter of Downtime with Downstar for quite some time now, and we know that they're in your corner, that they got your back, whether you're under a car or you just need some help. No matter your race, creed, engine platform preference, that motto stands true. Accord, Civic, S2000, any Honda, any customer, anywhere in the world with equal respectful treatment for all. We at Downtime with Downstar share these values. And as a special gift to Downtime listeners, they are giving you guys a special deal. Using the Let's Deal function at the top of HeeltoeAuto.com, you'll find an option to request a special quote. Submit a special quote using the key phrase, I'm down with Downstar. Once again, the key phrase is, I'm down with Downstar for a special deal on whatever you're shopping for. And of course, if you need any help, Marcus from Heeltoe is available by call, text, email to help out. Heeltoe wishes you guys a happy, healthy, and safe 2020. So I know a lot of you guys are questioning, what is this whole cult thing that's going on? Well, we at Downstar are starting our own cult. What is it? Are you gonna have to drink punch? Are we gonna sleep with your wives? No, none of that yet. But what it is, is a direct number to us, meaning me, Frank Downstar, I'm the one that's answering the text. So please, right now, text us, 818-403-3473. You're just gonna have to follow a couple simple steps, get added to your contacts, and uh, text us, you know? Let us know what you're thinking of the episode so far, if you guys have any questions, anything like that, anything, even wanna talk about life, man, just shoot us a text. We're here to help you guys out, and we're here to have some fun, man, and uh, that's what the cult's about. So come join the cult, 818-403-3473. No charges, we're not gonna be selling your info, no bullshit like that, guys, just straight up fun. So make sure you guys shoot us a text right now, 818-403-3473 and uh enjoy the rest of the episode have a good day or at least that doesn't make money you're you're always gonna have to do shit you don't care for but that it's i mean let's be honest like downstars it's a job for you you like it yeah but it it feels like a job right it doesn't feel like vacation no definitely i, I mean when i yeah. come to work I, I don't feel like upset to come i wake up in the morning it's like no, okay it's, it's let's like, go and do this well, I, I feel I feel so grateful. I like, yeah, I could have a weapons job. 
um, around here, like everybody works in chemical refineries. Like if they have my degree, a, gotcha. an engineering degree, you wind up in chemical refineries. And uh, dude, I can't tell you how many people that I've known that worked at chemical refineries that got cancer. Oh shit. Uh, yeah, shit, dude. Even like um, my fiance's family, most of the people that um, live in her family, uh, in her immediate family, live near a refinery, like two miles away. They've all had like thyroid issues or cancer or whatever. Oh my god! So like I I saw that I realized that kind of in college, and I was like, I'm I'm not doing that. I need yeah. to work on cars. Yeah. Like that's what I want to do. I'm like, fuck it. I don't care if I'm not going to make as much money. I'm not going to work in this place. I'm not going to get cancer. Or not that way, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like a cancer is going to be for some fun. Or McDonald's or something. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, that was the time where I was like, I got to figure something out. Got you. Now, when you were into uh, making the guitars into music, was it just jazz? Or what else were you into? No. No, man, I, I was in a band and, and we mostly played like different kinds of rock. Okay. Um, like the, mostly like alt rock, nothing, nothing like crazy. I, to be honest, I'm not even a very good guitarist. Never Got was. You. Uh, I was a hell of a lot better at building guitars than I was at playing them. Yeah. Got um, you. But, um, but yeah, like I really got into building guitars for like different styles of music, things like that. It definitely wasn't mostly about jazz. I would say most of the guitars. I was building where people that played like alternative rock kind of music. Gotcha. Like, like, like some kind of, what are you listening to now? Not just rock, uh, dude, anything, I, just. I honestly mostly listen to rap and R and B now. Gotcha. Gotcha. I really don't listen to much, uh, rock and roll just because, um, I guess when I like got a, res uh, a respect for like rock and roll when I was younger, I respected, the creativity and um, the technical aspects of it. Like, you know, you had like bands in the seventies and like back then the stuff they were doing was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and like those dudes, they were like, they were like what you talk about where you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. You know? And like, I feel like now that whole genre is kind of gone. It's, I don't want to say it's cookie cutter. You know, you, you got some people that are outliers, but there's not a lot of talent in the industry right now, yeah. I'd say. And not a lot of people like pushing the limits as much. And so I kind of like, I think I lost interest in it because of that. I just didn't, I, I like to see people like trying to be better than they were yesterday. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean? And like trying to do something new. So like when there's an artist that like is making new album, like like changing up their style on new albums and stuff like that, I really respect it. You're You're going to make fun of me, but... Uh, I respect the hell out of Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne? I, I love Lil Wayne. <laughs> Lil Wayne. Well, like, okay, so keep in mind, uh, I gr I've always lived within about an hour of New Orleans since I was in, like, junior high. Yeah. And, you know, back then, dude, cash money was popping. Hell yeah. You remember with all the diamonds yeah. and shit? Yeah, hell yeah. And, uh, covers and stuff? And Lil Wayne wasn't shit back then. Yeah. Um, I, like... I've kind of like watched him like mature and like try to do things on different albums and some of it fucking sucks. Yeah. Uh, but, but it doesn't stop him from trying something new or trying a new style or whatever. And so like, I, I just, I respect artists that, that don't try and do the same thing over and over. I mean, there's definitely things about him to not respect for sure. Yeah. But I respect people that, that push it and they're like, let's, let's do it different. Let's keep it going. Cause I mean, you know, you, you're, 
you can't stay in the view of the public doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, definitely. Like no one's ever done it. It doesn't matter what industry you pick. Like it can be like racing, like at the top tier formula one, or it can be like lower down guys like you and I, who are providing stuff to the street street, you know, enthusiasts or the weekend warriors. Like you pick an industry, pick a, pick an art, whatever you can't stagnate. Yeah. And you, you definitely got to keep it interesting, man. Um, I'm, I'm a huge music fan, uh, from everything, you know, rock, like you're saying, I used to go to, uh, warp tour for probably like 10, 12 years. Every, every summer I would be out there. I would be in the mosh pits. And if you were to ask me right now, would I rather go to a rap concert or a rock concert? I'd definitely go to a rock concert. Just the, the energy there is, is Uh, unmatchable. I wouldn't say for live music as much. Oh, really? I would agree with that. that. Yeah. I'm not really as interested in, in like rap and R and B for the live live music. Um, but also like around here, like if you go to new Orleans and like you go for a night out in new Orleans, um, you're either going to wind up on bourbon street, which really isn't like, if you want to see what new Orleans is like, it's not bourbon street. Mm. Uh, if you go to Bourbon Street, you're gonna hear like oldies and shit. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, like like you know, '80s rock. You're gonna hear like Guns and Roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the spot to go is really it's called Frenchman Street, mm-hmm. and it's a few blocks over. Um, if you don't know New Orleans, don't walk from Bourbon to Frenchman. Catch a Uber. Uh, is dangerous or what? Uh, the 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 few streets between Bourbon and Frenchman uh are not well lit and they're very windy um and there's a lot of spots for people to like sneak up on you gotcha if you don't if you know don't keep your head on a swivel so like if i if i take that walk at nighttime like i'm i'm looking out i'm not just walking like a drunk idiot there but um it's gotten worse recently the the violence in new orleans i would say like i'll still go out there but i'm i'm mindful yeah definitely it's it's a weird time that we're in man it seems like it's it's a weird time i don't know or maybe i was just i I mean i probably was just an idiot in college when i'd like wake up in a hotel room and be like how did i get in this hotel room (laughs) that's what college is for though right yeah yeah if you can survive that (laughs) nice so where does your uh love for the automotive community come from so i so like first off I wasn't raised around cars at all. My dad wasn't really a car guy. My dad was the kind of guy that was like, um, hey, the house needs a new roof, so I know what you're doing for the next month. Got you. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, I don't even work on my house anymore. I had to do that so much when I was younger <laughs> that, like, whenever the house needs something done, I'm like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> you know how you say you have, like, money for tickets and stuff? My, my like, money for what I don't want to deal with is, like, shit on my house. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll paint. Yeah. I'll paint, but... Um, so in high school, I had this POS, uh, automatic 300 ZX. Okay. It was an 86. Okay. Um, I thought the T-tops were legit as Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love taking the T-tops off that thing, but that thing never ran right, man. We couldn't fit. It had some kind of electrical gremlin on it and we could never figure it out, but it would just randomly not rev above 2000 RPMs. Oh shit. Uh, and so you'd like be going to get on the interstate. And then you, you step on the gas and it, it hits a rev limiter at two. Yeah. And you're like, shit, this is bad. <laughs> and you get up on the interstate and you're doing like 30 and you're like banging off this 2000 RPM <laughs> rev limiter. It, it, 
<laughs> or like um i uh dude it it was a clown car man i uh i shaved the door handles on it yeah i had door pop nice um and um i remember the battery would go out occasionally <laughs> and i'd have to crawl in through the hatch yeah so the hatch was the only thing with a key yeah so you know it'd be like i like my girlfriend would be like or, or like if i was interested in a girl like Oh, you want to ride home after school? Yeah, let me ride home in your sports car. Dope. <laughs> and then you get out to the car and you press the button. And you're like, "Fuck, the door doesn't open. Let me just let me just pop the trunk real quick and climb in like an ass." Door so poppers were the shit, dude. What? Door poppers were the shit back then. They were the shit, man. And I did a pretty good job on it, except for like the wiring. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, but um, so I had that, and uh, that uh. That that was no good for college, so I traded that in for a Buick Park Avenue Ultra. Oh shit! I got a really good deal on a Buick Park Avenue Ultra. They're like a land yacht. The yeah. Four doors, leather interior, back seat has friggin' flip down visors, oh, with, uh, lit mirrors and stuff. Dude, the back seat was like a couch, man, yeah. like a leather couch. Uh, it had a V6 super or uh, a V6 with a supercharger. Oh shit! But it was still. No, it was still slow as hell, dude. It needed every ounce of that power just to move, dude. <laughs> I got T-boned once, and the car slid sideways and didn't get dented. No way. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, shit. they hit it, like, right in front of the back, uh, the rear left tire, and yeah. the car slid, like, six inches, and I got out, and just a piece of trim was, like, bent. <laughs> and I looked at it, and I was like, it's fine. I don't care. We're good. <laughs> wow. Oh. Um, so I had that for a while, but so college is really when it happened. Um, in college, for me, it's um, really, honestly, it wasn't until like my job right before Acuity or Acuity where I had like money where I would even think about putting it on a car. I, I had a BMW build I can tell you about um, that was like an OEM plus build gotcha. just because I needed to keep it hella cheap. Um, but so like the, the catalyst for me and um, any... I would recommend like anybody that's going to college right now, uh, if your university has this opportunity, just and you want to get involved with cars, just do it. Just go do it. it. Have you ever heard of Formula SAE? No. So Formula SAE, it's you've heard of Society of Automotive Engineers SAE, right? Yeah, I've heard like, of you, the, the acronym. Like, what's that? I've heard of the acronym before. Yeah. So SAE is Society of Automotive Engineers. Um, and they're the they're the like well well they're one of the governing bodies that kind of like determine standards for how cars are made. Gotcha. Um, like so like recently we just dropped these really nice quick disconnect fittings. You know, um, do you know what the firewall fuel line connection looks like on like any K series car made since like two thousand? Yeah. How it's like that clip on connector? Yes. So um, that connector is actually really hard to find in all metal. It's really easy to find in plastic, but uh, nobody makes a really good one in all metal. A few companies make one that's got this like metal nut that you have to turn to hold it. But like if you try and put it on like an eighth, excuse me, an eighth gen Civic, um, like you know how an eighth gen SI has like the engine un almost like under the dashboard. It's so far in there. Okay. So, um, like, dude, it's so hard to get back there and tighten that nut. And the OEM connections just, like, clip on. So we, we just needed we, – we wanted to make a center feed fuel line for the K-Series fuel rails we released. And I was like, 
I am not using these uh, like standard aftermarket fittings with the little nut. I hate those fittings. So I was like, we're just going to design one from scratch. Well, when you design stuff from scratch, there's certain stuff that's like um, governed, like you can find standards on it. Like sometimes you might have to pay for the standards. It might be a hundred bucks, 200 bucks for like a PDF with 10 pages, which seems like a lot. But the standards are made by like people who like tested stuff and know what they're doing. So you pay like one or two hundred dollars, but you're really paying for like the secret sauce. Got you. Not not a 10 page PDF. And so like we went to go make that fitting and I knew SAE has standards on these fittings for different aspects of it that I need to design. So I wouldn't have to design the whole thing from scratch, just parts of it. And I could use the things that they know that work. Um, So that's kind of like what SAE does like. They figure out like different standards for like testing things in cold weather, testing things in hot weather, weather, testing things uh, in like dry, you know, dry climates, wet climates um, where it's really sandy, whatever. And they figure out how to test all this stuff, make sure it's going to work. They're like, OK, when you design it, this is how you're going to test it. If it passes all these tests, you should be good. Um, so that's what that governing body does. Formula SAE or they call it formula student, I think now. Um, it's basically like, um, it's this group that holds this competition for, uh, college teams and you build your own race car from scratch. Um, you take a 600, dude, it's dope. It's dope. Um, you take a 600 CC motorcycle engine. So like a really popular one is like a Honda CBR 600 motor. Okay. Um, but, you know, people use, you know, a Yamaha motor, uh, Kawasaki, whatever. Anything that's 600 cc's you can use. Mostly four cylinders. Some people use like a two cylinder or if they're clowns like we were when I was in college. This wasn't my idea. We used a one cylinder motor. That was stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that shit. Uh, I, tried to, I tried to convince them. I wasn't a senior. I was always an underclassman uh, when I was in it. And so the seniors were like, no, we know better. You know, it's yeah. like, motherfucker, you need a four cylinder. Yeah. Um, so I got involved with that. And basically what you do is you take a motorcycle engine and you build an open wheel race car from scratch. So you build the frame, you build the suspension, you build the steering, um, and then you drop in the motor, you design like basically everything to connect the motor to the wheels. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're designing uprights for the, the spindles, the spindles themselves, like whatever you want, you design. Wow. And um, the competition, they have a few of them. Uh, the big one that we would go to was in Michigan, normally at the Ford Proving Ground. So where Ford and Detroit does all of their testing, mm-hmm. um, that's where we'd go. And they'd hold, hold this big competition. And I think it was like 150 teams would go out. And you'd have schools come from like Germany, Australia, Italy, all over the place, dude. You were with like the car enthusiasts in college from around the whole damn world. And um that was a good eye opener to me to know that like when I got into this industry, I was going to have to hustle. Gotcha. Like nobody's going to give it to you, dude. Cause everybody there wanted the jobs that we wanted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To go work at these companies and do these cool things. Um, but, but it's a really, really cool competition cause you design some stuff, you go out, um, the students drive the cars. Um, now you'll have a team with like 20 or 30 people and like two or three people will drive. So don't join the team assuming that you're going to get to drive the car. Um, But you'll design stuff. You'll put it on the car. You'll test it. You'll bring it to the competition. Your car will break. It'll be crushing. You'll do it again next year. It'll be a little better. 
Um, we had one year. You, so you do all different kinds of competitions. Like they have a figure eight skid pad where whoever can pull the uh, highest lateral G. So like sideways G in a turn um, wins that. They have um, an acceleration competition. So whoever's got the fastest acceleration over a certain uh, span of time, um, they win that. They have an autocross, which is like, you know, a traditional autocross with cones and everything. Yeah. Um, fastest times win that. And then they have an endurance event, which as as like a grown ass man, I wouldn't call it an endurance event event anymore. It's a sprint event. Yeah. But it was only like 30 minutes or an hour. And dude, you'd be surprised. None of those freaking cars would last for 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had, I think we had one year out of three that I did it where we finished. We had one year where the chain came off and we lost. Um, we had another where um, they decided to put a spool in the back uh-huh. on a on a road race car. So it didn't have a differential in the rear. It was just a spool. So both rear tires always turned at the same RPM. And like, I don't know if you've driven a, a, a rear wheel drive car with a spool, no. but there's a reason that spools are really popular in drifting and it's not because it turns well. Yeah. It's because it's really easy to light up the tires because they're spinning at the same speed when you go through the turn. So we had this car that wouldn't turn and you basically had to light up the tires to make a turn. Oh, shit. And, uh, I got pulled over cause they were like your exhibition driving. Yeah. And I'm like, this bitch doesn't turn. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to light them up through the turns yeah. and slide. Uh, and they, the car was really loud, so they, they pressed the kill switch, and it wouldn't start afterwards. Uh, so we got DQ'd. No shit. Um, dude, to this day, people that were on the team, not everybody, but there's a few like negative Nancys, they're like, you ruined it. You ruined it. I'm like, I can't drive a car that doesn't start. <laughs> oh, damn. So was, was the body like a tube chassis or what? Yeah, so it was a it was a full uh, chromoly space frame. Uh, I think it's like one inch OD tubing everywhere. Got you. Um, and then actually the thing that I did, like my job on the team was composites. So um, I would design like the nose cone, the side pods that took the air in. Um, I would design like the floor pans, the the seat, which was also the firewall. So it was like this form fitting seat that also was the heat shield against the engine because the engine was right in back of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was crazy, dude. Those cars were nasty, man. Wow. So, um, so have you ever have you ever ridden like a 600cc bike? No. I don't okay, think so. so. I'm, I'm, I don't ride motorcycles, really, um, because I, I think I'd die. Yeah. Um, um, I'm not, I, I just, I'm not, I don't think I'm good enough to ride a motorcycle yeah. and survive. Um, so... It's a 600cc motorcycle engine, and the cars weigh maybe like 450 pounds with a driver. Okay. Maybe maybe five if you've got a heavy car. They're not way heavier than the bikes the motors came from, so they're pretty quick, except they're geared down for a top speed of like 70 mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, I don't know what a CBR 600 bike goes to, but it's probably well over 100. Yeah. So you gear it down, and... Um, and all of a sudden it's way fucking faster. Like you ever drive a car that had the wrong final drive. So just like rips through first, second and third. Yeah. Like an old muscle car. (laughs) Or like, like, um, I did an engine swap once on a BMW where, um, I put a manual, I did a manual transmission swap on an auto chassis 
and I hadn't changed out the diff yet, so it still had an auto diff. Gotcha. Um, the gearing was way different, and uh, it was only like a 250 horsepower motor, but I could light up the tires through third gear because it was geared wrong. Yeah. But then it would be at like 7,000 RPMs or 6,000 RPMs doing like 60 on the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so these cars would just friggin' rip, dude, and everything on them is hard-mounted. So like the seat, no rubber between it and the chassis. The suspension, all spherical bearings. Yeah. The engine bolted right to the fucking chassis. Oh, shit. Uh, so, like, dude, like, basically, um, the car we had, when I drove it, I couldn't let it idle because it vibrated so hard from all the hard-mounted stuff that I couldn't breathe. It would make me start, like, coughing. You ever get, like, a tickle in your throat and you start coughing you can't breathe? Yeah. It, like, the harmonic of it, I don't know if it made my windpipe vibrate or something. <laughs> yeah. But I couldn't fucking breathe, so I would sit there in the pits and I'd like rev the motor a little bit so I could take a breath. <laughs> Dude, the, the, like it is, it is the most hard. Like when when you take out of the equation the fact that the top speed is kind of low, yeah, and you're just looking at like acceleration and just like how it's built, it's like one of the most hardcore race cars you'll ever drive if you're involved in it. Gotcha. So and I and I learned a lot. I mean. One of the problems with it is that there's not a lot of people in it that know what they're doing since everybody's a college kid. Mm -hmm. And even if you've been doing it for three years, like you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You kind of do, but you, you know what it is like until you've done it forever and you've, you know, cried, sweat and bled yeah. it, like don't really know. Um, so like one, one downside of it is you've got all these dudes that are like weighing their ego that'll tell you, Oh, you're doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing, whatever. Like, just, like, if you do it, just fuck, fuck those dudes. Do your thing. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so, like, you don't get experience hanging around, like, people that really know what they're doing. But, like, you're going to go in a machine shop, and you're going to turn on a mill or a lathe, and you're going to use it. You're going to get in, in CAD software, and you're going to CAD stuff up. You're going to actually make the stuff. You're going to go out, you're going to break it, you know. You're going to see what it's like to be at an event with 150 people that are, or 150 teams that all want to eat your damn lunch. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it, it puts you through the ringer and you learn a lot. And uh, to be honest, college took me six years instead of four because I spent so much time on that team failing classes. Mm. Like I would, I would be in that, in the machine shop, like work until midnight, two in the morning, just hopped up on Red Bull, even though I have a class at seven the next morning. Yeah. Because like I was about that stuff, man. Yeah, hell yeah. Uh, I failed enough classes where my mom was like, "Are you sure you want to be an engineer? Maybe you're not so good at this." Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, "I'm having a great time. You don't know what I'm what you're talking about." Um, and like you know, like looking back on it, like I don't. I mean, look, look where I am. Like I, I have an awesome job. I get to run this place. And, yeah. You know, we we make really cool parts. People get really hyped when they get the parts they're happy to drive it like i just feel awesome working here you know it's tiring but like i couldn't think of another job that would be more rewarding right now i love it man so like like i failed a bunch of stuff i had the lowest gpa in my group of engineers literally i couldn't have a lower gpa um without like and graduate yeah but so like my overall gpa if you mix in like art and like other like math classes and stuff that was okay but like my engineering gpa was like 2.00 oh shit uh yeah dude it was it was legit <laughs> bad dude um and it, it wasn't because i didn't have 
like an appreciation for what I was doing or that I wasn't capable. It was just that like going and sitting in a chair in a class with a professor that's almost never made anything in their whole life. Like that didn't get me hyped. Like I came from building guitars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want to get dust on my face and yeah. like up my nostrils and like cuts and stuff. And yeah. I want to go test stuff and break stuff and like blow shit up and figure out why it blew up and then make it better and make it blow up less or yeah. not at all possible. Uh, and so like, it just, I just didn't feel it, but I, what was good about it. And the reason I would tell people like, like if you want to make car parts, go like not car parts, but like if you want to get into racing, like if you want to go and ever like see what Ferrari looks like or anything like that, like you got to know how to do that science and the math behind it. Um, now, I mean, if you get into stuff like you're doing, you don't need as much of that. Like you're, you're like a killer marketer. And Thank like, you. Thank I you. would say like significantly better than me. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with marketing. <laughs> I try. Uh, like I kind of do. And so like you have that route and that's, and that's super solid. But like the way you did it, I would honestly say that's probably like harder than, than the way that we did it. Like you, I know how much you had to grind. Yeah. And like you're there, but like, dude, you, you paid for it. You paid for it. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it, man. It's just going so, to all of these events and things like that, you know, just just hitting the streets. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it's like, um, what, do you know what Import Alliance event it is that I'm thinking of that I saw you at where it was Nashville? Because we had talked about that before yeah. we got so, on here. Nashville, my first ever summer Nashville was 2010. 2011 was the last time that it was in uh, in Nashville for summer. So it was either 10 or 11. Gotcha. Uh, it was the year we did it. It was under bleachers. It was all oh, like okay. all the booze. Okay. Hmm. Shit. Is I'm trying to think. Bell? I'm trying to think. That was Nashville, though. I think it was. Okay, it was probably the the at the stadium, right? Must have been. I don't even fucking remember. Dude, my memory is so fuzzy. But anyways, yeah. I'm not sure, but I, I remember seeing you grinding in that 10 by 10 booth, uh, booth, dude. Yeah. I think, uh, do you still have that backdrop with you in the kitchen whipping words? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was probably 2011. I love that but yeah, I, I remember seeing you grinding back there, and I, I could tell, dude. I could tell you were putting in your time. Thank you, bro. So, um, but I guess what I was saying, uh, going back to that, like, the path that I took, I feel like it's like a more like standard route. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that wasn't by design. I, 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 I never planned any of this. Yeah. Like, you know, like sometimes you just go through life and like opportunities arise, things happen and you just make the best of it. So I, I won't tell anybody that I like had this grand plan. Like, yeah, I, I really but, feel uh, like, uh, the downstar, it just, it was one of those opportunities. I guess one thing that I I, I can uh, say that I'm good at is being able to see opportunities in what they can become from from what it is. You know, whether yeah. it's a, it's a build or even selling some parts on the forums. You know, if I I've been a hustler ever since I've been a kid. You know, so when I'm able to sell something and I make money from it, and then people want it more. It was just it was just uh, science to me, man. It's just okay. We'll just keep feeding it and keep yeah. growing, and that's what I do to this day. Yeah, you said you saw the niche and you you got in there and you owned it. Yeah, hell yeah. But there's so many ways to make it in this industry. But 
one yeah. thing that everybody has in common is that you just have to put in the work. Yeah. So I would say like, if anybody wanted to go down the route that I took and they wanted to actually like design their own future where, yeah. you know, I kind of just did things that I thought were cool until it turned into something turned into this. Yeah. Um, I would say like, you know, if you want to take this path, if you want to make like a, a company that makes like technical, more technical products, I would say, um, like, you know, get the, get the, the skill set, get your skill set together. I don't want to tell you you have to go to college. Like you could totally start this company without going to college, mm -hmm. but you're going to have to buy those textbooks. You're still going to have to read those textbooks. You're going to have to know what's in those textbooks. Um, but the other thing I would say is like, um, and th this is my personal experience and everybody's different, but I'm, I'm really grateful for all the jobs that I had in this industry before I started this company. Um, not necessarily um, like automotive aftermarket, but like just like gaining the experience as an engineer and a designer and seeing it, seeing it through different people's eyes. Like I, I feel like I've worked with a lot of people um, that I would say are like categorically smarter than me. Gotcha. And like when you're around those people, you're just like, like your eyes open. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, wow, these people think different and yeah. they do think different. And you're like, I think I could do it this way. Um, and you start to emulate their good behaviors and try to not do their bad behaviors mm -hmm. and things like that. And slowly it turns into your own thing, you know, cause you're like, I don't do it. Want to do it exactly the way that they did it. And yeah, you just slowly build it into your own, your own formula. Yeah. I love but it. Yeah. I feel like you got to do that. You got to put in that time, like, learning like how to make decisions yeah did you did you go through that process do you feel like at a certain stage in downstar i feel like for you it probably happened at downstar is that is that like a fair assumption mm, you know i did a lot of just learning along the way i knew that i was good at selling things and yeah. um i just had to to hone in on all my other skills you know such as marketing figuring out where to get things made, where to, how much quantity to buy, how much profit to spend on personal things versus back into the, the, the business. So I really didn't have any traditional business, um, like studies besides working at Best Buy, you know? Yeah. I, I take but the I time. Think, I think there's, I think there's value to that too, because like, what, what you've created personally, like with your Downstar brand, is very unique. Thank you. Um, whereas with Acuity, I like to think that our products are very unique in the way that we make products, like like the way that we think about how we make products and all that. I think that that's very unique in the industry. But I think that um, I think that the way that we brand and we market is very traditional. Got you. Um, I wouldn't say that we have like these innovative marketing tactics or anything like that, but, but that's, that's comfortable for us, you know, because it's just not my skill set. Gotcha. Um, and we get people help with it, but, uh, really for me, it's about like doing what I enjoy. So what's and the, so that's, what's the image that you want to give off for the brand? Just the, mostly that we just care about what we do and who we do it with. Um, in terms of like, not only the product design itself, mm -hmm. but like all of the work that goes into the products afterwards, you know, getting it to the customer, making sure that they're happy, 
uh, making sure that it does what we say it's going to do for a long time, ideally indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just just taking care of the people around us that make it make this possible. Um, we've been really lucky to get some really solid employees. Um, a lot of them have past motorsports experience too, um, like doing assembly in the racing world. Um, and it's it's really cool to kind of. Like you look at Honda and you look at like the heritage um, and you real you start to realize as you do something, I don't want to say similar because I'm not trying to compare that, but yeah. when, you, when you do something that kind of like has parallels, you realize that they didn't go out and necessarily try and build an image. Their image built itself off of their values. Got you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was like what we talked about with, with like respecting people and things like that. Like, um, the big thing with acuity is like, if you, if you follow us, you don't really see us hype up products that are coming. We don't talk like, oh, we're going to release this so much, release that. If people ask, you know, normally we'll say like, oh yeah, that's in the works. Um, but I would say more often than not, we try to just keep it hush and we just launch it. And we try not to hype it too much. I mean, you know, we do what everybody does. You'll give some to some influencers, give some to some race teams, just to try and start the whole process of people talking about it. Um, but it's like I tell all the influencers, I'm like, I don't want you to lie to anybody. I don't want you to yeah. tell anybody something you don't believe. I'm like, if you get this and you think it's shit, just send it back. Yeah. Don't do anything with it. Don't make a video. It's yours. Uh, and then email me and tell me to stop making shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, I, I don't want anybody to say anything is good if it's not good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and same thing with like customer service and everything. Like, I don't want to tell you that our customer service is good. When you buy something, I'm just going to show you. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? So um, I would say that's kind of like the mentality with Acuity. Like, talk is cheap. Be nice to people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, man. I think here at Downstar, the the thing that I want to do, what I want the brand to represent is like, uh, you know, endless possibilities and the, um, you know, just showing the work that you put in, you can, you can make anything happen, you know, to turn, turn nothing into something. And whether yeah. that's in the automotive community or not in the automotive community, you know, doing podcasting or whatever it is, anything that Downstar puts their brand on i want it to be that it's just you know we're going to show you what we're going to do but we're going to show you the hustle that goes into it you know so even with all the marketing and the stuff that we do i don't really even see it as as like that big of a deal you know it's turned into like second nature now you know all of these things like we just started uh i don't know if you see me posting about the cult that we started yeah, it's called, everybody it's listening texas right now 818-403-3473 and basically what that is is a as a text app that we have it's a separate phone number you text that and we just get added to your contacts and people are like well, okay well what is this for well now when you text it comes to this phone and it'll pop up you know, that's, yeah. that's what, wherever you see the value in that, that's on you. If you're working on your car and you installed some product and you want to send us a picture, cool. Send it to us. If you have a question, text it. Or if we have things that we want to put out there, we want it to go to our customers that are more engaged than just yeah, somebody definitely. that's following us. Especially if it's like limited edition or something. Exactly. You want, you want, 
Yeah, the, the core group. The core group, exactly. So we're building a, a core group, you know, and when I do things like this, I think of it, yeah, this is great for marketing, but the another way that I think about it is I'm making a community and this community is a supporter of Downstar. So if I have an idea and like, hey guys, I'm thinking about this idea. Only the cult knows about this. Keep it hush, but I need your actual feedback. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And we're going to come out with yeah, tell, whatever tell the hell it real is. Answer. Don't Ex just say, oh, that's fire. Exactly. So you build that trust and that relationship with those people. Then whenever I need them to go to action, they will. And whenever they need something from me, they they can hit us up whenever and it's actually me yeah. answering it and have you to, have you liked that and how the whole the whole thing's been going oh dude i love it man it, it's so cool i've been able to i could just i can actually i used it today right so uh my guy who works here his name's alex he actually throws a meet every thursday so i just he's the he's the he's the like tall lanky dude yeah. who wears all the shirts in your pictures exactly yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. Handsome dude, What's man. Up, Alex? So uh, shout out to Alex. He throws a meet every Thursday. So I just took the flyer and I sent it out to people in a 25, 25 mile radius, which turned out to be like 45 people. And I said, hey, guys, come out to this meet if you want. Uh, Here, hold on. You're breaking up a minute. Good. Uh, It's cutting in and out a little. Can you talk real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on my end, it seems good. It's. My video quality is down a little. Are you, can you hear me fine? On my end, you're you're rocking. Okay, yeah, let's let's keep it going. So so. Do you mind uh, if I grab a bottle of water real quick? Yeah yeah yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the restroom real quick. Give me one sec. One sec, brother. Oh, take your time, dude. How's it looking now? Uh, it's still a little grainy, but I mean, if you're getting the video feed like you're, you need it, then we're good. Yeah, you're clear. I can on, hear you. Fine. You're clear on my yeah. side. Okay, let's jump back are, into it. All right. When are we doing the um the follow up uh, smoke session version of this? <laughs> when you come down to California for Ibok. Hell yeah! All right, let's do it at Ibok, dude. I'm down. All right, let me do, let's jump back into it. So uh, so I have that the text app. I sent out the flyer for Alex's meet and uh, I'm able to pick on location. So you can just open up the bubble and then it says 20 miles, 30 miles, 40 miles. So when I, when I go to an event across the country, I'm just thinking like, hey guys, I'm gonna be in um, Maryland 
and uh, we're going to go to dinner tonight. If you guys want to meet up, we're going to be at this restaurant and send it out to oh. whoever's out there, you know? Yeah. And uh, I-, I think it's cool, man. But uh, those are the things that we do for marketing, which, you know, others might see it as like a big, a big kind of kind of deal like i've had people already say like why would you even want people customers to be texting you i said well because i don't look at it the way that you look at it you look at it as a burden i look at it as our customers are the only reason why we have any of this shit so yeah the more i can cater to them the better i can build a relationship with them that means the longer this is gonna go for there there's too many people in this industry that tell everybody they're doing stuff wrong yeah yeah and those are the ones doing the least Definitely, man. We rarely get that nowadays. And uh, I got that the other day and I was kind of surprised that that person would tell me that. But that that just means that I'm not showing enough on my end for them to think that that they should uh, be giving me any advice. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. man, I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing so good. I'm so used to it now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so used to it. I uh, We got a message today, I think, um, through, uh, so we use like Zendesk to aggregate all of the messages that come in. So like Facebook, emails, uh, and Instagram all go to this one place. Um, I was looking at a a sport ticket today and somebody just randomly made a comment on the website and uh, I was like about a shifter we made and they were like, yo, this shit's ugly as fuck. Uh, haters gonna hate. And I'm like, okay. I was like, well, first of all, we're selling so many of those things that we can't keep them on the shelf. So I'm not sweating. (laughs) I'm like, who took a moment out of their life to put this on the internet? Like, you need to go do something productive. Oh, definitely, man. And I, I've met so many of those people in person. I've had people come up to me at, at events and be like, hey, man, you know, we had a convo online and I, I just wanted to apologize. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are, dude, but whatever. Yeah, who are you, dude? Yeah, it just, it, they, uh, they just like to talk and I really this is how I honestly feel people are very lonely and they don't have anybody giving them attention and so they're just out and it's basically like a tantrum they're, they're throwing yeah. a tantrum on everybody's page your shit looks like this it looks like this it looks like this and then I feel like telling them hey what's up bro like how's your day going are you alright cause you're not alright if you were alright no, you wouldn't be no. doing this so what's wrong yeah. you know and that's, yep. that's I look at it more of like a psychological way other than I, they're I attacking agree, me. Yeah, and, and like, I mean, we're all living in the same time. Like, when you spend so much time on Instagram and stuff like that, it really warps your reality. It does. And it, it really gets you down in the dumps if you let it. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally see that. You see you see trolls online and you're just like, we got to find you something to be happy about. Yeah, definitely, man. So, 2016... You decide uh, about there is when you when you started business. When did you take it on full time? About two and a half years ago, so beginning of twenty eighteen. Okay, cool. So about two years before you went full time, what did you notice in that two years of business that uh, surprised you or uh, made you uh, realize that this was something that you wanted to 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 go towards, like the good and well, the bad. So the- the first surprise was that I thought that I was going to run a business based on RSX TPS sensors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a thing. <laughs> Got you. <laughs> not enough demand. Yeah. Uh, so that the first surprise was that, gosh, dude, I can't tell you how much money that uh, I invested in that sensor. Mm. I, dude, 
I put all of my money into it. I had like zero dollars in the bank. Oh, shit. Uh, I saved up, I want to say it was like $30,000 to get that TPS going. Oh, shit. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, that, I hadn't sold a single product with the logo on it. And I, I dumped 30 grand into it. The, so the, the TPS that we sell, um, if you look at it, it looks very much like um, the OEM TPS, which OEM 2.0 is like a big thing here. Like we try to, our thing is we try to engineer stuff with the thoughtfulness that the OEM manufacturer would have used. But we try to design it so that it's for a higher level of performance and a lower level of like creature comfort. Gotcha. You know, yes. so like if you went to a Honda engineer making the Type R and you're like, "Look, scrap this Type R. Let's make it raunchy." Yeah, uh, that's gotcha. that's kind of how we try to think of it. Like if we worked at Honda and they said, "Make a race car," you know, these are the parts that we would make. Gotcha. Um, but so that TPS, all of the, the housing on it is all injection molding and the guts in it are injection molded and it's got a uh, custom circuit board in it and these expensive proprietary chips on them. And we had to, you know, get like molds made for uh, the TPSs and mm -hmm. buy hundreds of circuit boards and stuff and build some equipment to test the TPSs and run them to tens of millions of cycles and make sure that they were going to last, you know, really do our due diligence on, on testing them. And so, yeah, I was like 30,000 in and um, we started selling the TPSs and they were selling okay. Um, but I think at the beginning we were doing maybe for the first year, maybe like $3,000 a month in sales after we got it rolling with the TPS. And that's good. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, when you've got the material costs in there and everything, that you're not quitting your job as as an engineer de designing race car parts. So, yeah. um, so I did that, and then the first awakening was that I wasn't gonna build a company based off just sensors. Um, the I'm trying to think of like what the second awakening is. I, one thing I realized, so we rely pretty heavily on a distribution network. So like, you know, a core group of vendors, um, and we try not to let anybody sell our stuff. We try to only let people sell stuff if we think they're going to be good to customers and they treat customers right. So like if you come to me and you try to become a vendor, I'm going to dig up everything I can find on the internet on yeah. you. Um, things you do in your personal life, things that you do in your business, how you treat your customers. I want to know who's this person I'm selling products Definitely. to and how are they going to treat the people that get the products. Cause I want, you know, it's like we said, I want every part of that process between us making stuff and you getting it and using it to be positive. And if I've got bad apples in that, that, uh, vendor circle, that's no good. Yeah. So, um, so anyways, the, one of the rude awakenings I have was that vendors don't really want to talk to you if you can't make them a bunch of money. Yeah. Right. Have you ever did you deal with that like early on trying to get people to sell your stuff? Um, I pretty much feel the same way that you do about vendors, but it's more of like we'll call you. Don't call us. Uh, we, we I turn down way more vendors than we actually add for that reason, because I don't want to yep. see our stuff end up on eBay or end up next to eBay product on their, their shelf or whatever, or the image that that brand gives off to me, just me being an enthusiast. I don't yep. know if I want to even be part of that. So like we probably have maybe 10 to 15 vendors 
and that's it. I would I would it's rather not, have it's actually about the same. Yeah, I would rather have no vendors and have everybody come through us. I mean, for one, you know, there's no discount, which is awesome, but for two, like I like building these relationships with these customers. And when we go to these events, I meet them, you know, I check out their cars, we hang out, and I love to have that interaction and yeah. with with somebody else in there with another entity you don't know like you said you don't know what happened when you went in there maybe somebody i don't i don't know how they're portraying our product so i yeah. i'd rather so keep for, it more local for us i think the way that we structured it uh with our our vendor circle it a lot of it was because we realized that we probably didn't have the manpower to yeah. um answer all the email questions from customers for the like full demand of our product line. So <clears throat> to me, having vendors is kind of like getting help, uh, like tech guys, Definitely. like almost like hiring a commissioned uh, technical like sales representative. Um, so that's the other thing that we look for. We're like, when, when, we're, when we're picking up a new vendor, um, like first of all, we try and make them do a buy-in so that they don't want to buy in. Yeah. Want to make sure that they really, really want to be involved. Definitely. So we try and make the we try and get the buy-ins high enough so that it hurts, so that they have to like because if you come to me and you want to do the buy-in and I look and everything's good and the buy-in's high and you're like I want to do it, I'm like they're committed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like they're gonna buy like one product and then see how it goes. Yeah. You know, they're actually gonna put in effort. Um, but I also want to look and see like are these people gonna be able to support our customers? So like, if you're out there selling parts for Hondas and Nissans and Toyotas and BMWs and stuff like that, like Jags or Summit or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that, that you can't call them up and be like, yo, how do I calibrate a TPS for an RSX Type S? Mm -hmm. They're gonna be like, uh, you can read the fucking manuals what yeah. you can do. Uh, I don't want that. You know, I want I want a vendor that they're gonna call and they're gonna be like, ah, oh, let me get, you know, Jimmy on the line. He's got an RSX type S, he could help you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's that's how I look at it. Just a way like it's a way for us to like spread information without having all of those employees. Got you. So after the TPS, you realized that you weren't gonna be able to make a business with just sensors. What was the next product? The next big product, so we realized after the TPS, like we put in so much time. I probably spent a year and a half designing the TPS yeah. before we even like started. So like the year, the year say in 2016, which I think is about right. That's the year that's on our LLC. Okay. Right. The, the form. But the truth is I was pulling late nights doing design work and testing for probably at least a year and a half before that. Gotcha. And it wasn't until I was like, okay, I have a product time to go to market that I actually was like, let me get an LLC, let me get like a tax license, all that stuff, um, get get an EIN. Um, and for everybody out there that doesn't know what an EIN is, if you start a business, you need one. Yeah. It's basically your social security number for your business with the IRS. Yeah, don't Give fuck with them. <laughs> don't fuck with them. <laughs> Rather walk from Bourbon Street to French yeah. Street in the middle of the night than fuck with the IRS. Holding your, your wallet and your Better phone in your hands. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, we realized that... Um, you know, that wasn't enough. We need to do something else. And I was like, shit, I put so much on this TPS. I can't, I can't half-ass it. I got to come out with something like good. And somebody has got to, you know, people have to see it and be like, all right. Um, so I've got, I've got a decent amount of experience with, um, 
uh, like linkage design and what's called tribology, which is really like uh, the study of, of wear and and like um, how things wear out over time, like particularly bearings and things like that. Um, and so that we basically we spent some time trying to figure out what are we going to design and what market is it going to be in that kind of like could coexist with the TPS. So Hondas, you know, really like that's what it had to be. Um, unless we were going to go off and design more sensors, but I, I, that's not my specialty. You know, gotcha. I, I put in a lot of work to make that sensor, but I'm, I'm not an electrical engineer. So that was, that was a lot of work I to bet. get it you know, just right. Um, so we wanted to play more to our strengths and we realized that nobody was making a really nice aftermarket shifter for the ninth gen SI. Gotcha. As random as that sounds. At the time, the SI was the current gen of, of Civic. Okay. Um, and so that was out. Nobody was making a good shifter for it. I think Buddy Club made one. But you know Buddy Club shifters, it's just, it's normally like a n slightly nicer plastic shifter. Um, good price, but if you're looking for like race car parts, maybe that's not it. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Buddy Club parts are fun. <laughs> we just are really hardcore. Talk um, your shit, bro. Talk your shit. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't want to talk shit because I, I honestly respect them for a lot of reasons. Uh, but it's just those aren't the parts we make. Definitely. You know, yeah. we, we try to take it up a few notches. And the stuff's much more expensive than Buddy Clubs, but it, it does different things. So anyway, so we saw that nobody was really making like a really solid shifter for the NYCHA market. And um, just based on my on my career experience, I, I know that like. I know, I don't want to say I know the ins and outs of it, but I knew what to do. I was like, I know where to start. Um, and so we bought a bunch of equipment to kind of uh, quantify the shifters, like stress testing stuff, things like that, finding out how to break them, you know, how much force does it take to break, how strong does ours need to be. And we were like, okay, let's come out with a, you know, a pretty badass shifter for the 9th Gen Civic Si. Nobody's making one, so when we drop it, it's going to be the first, mm -hmm. you know, and, and people are going to talk about it. And, um, it worked, it worked pretty well. Um, you know, I mean, nobody got rich overnight. I, you see that shit so much on Instagram, dude. I, I don't, I, I don't know anybody that's done that. <laughs> yeah. You know anybody that's no. done that? That's like off overnight. No, hell no. No, dude. Like I just for everybody listening, everyone that pops off overnight actually been working on it for five to 10 years and you just didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, they. Uh, they I get that every fun. once in a while. I say, man, yeah, you like, guys blew up out of nowhere. I say, yeah, it only took ten years, bro. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we released that, and it made decent buzz. You know, vendors started giving us the time of day. Uh, some of them would talk to us. Um, still wasn't tons. Yeah. And um, we were like, okay, we're in the shifting market. Let's make more shifting parts. So we came out with some really nice. Uh, cable bushings for like basically like every performance Honda since like 2000. Um, and we came out with this cable bushing design that wear compensates. So as it gets older, it actually compensates for its own wear and takes up play. Um, wow. And it was just like a thoroughly engineered cable bushing. Um, and, you know, we just started realizing like if you want to get big, you kind of have to go out and make waves. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. Like, gotta go make some waves somewhere. You gotta, you're gonna have to piss somebody off by doing something well. Yeah. Basically, yeah. right? You're gonna, you're gonna do something really well, and other people are gonna be like, hey, you can't do that. And you're like, well, I'm doing it. So, and it's pretty good. So, 
Um, but like, I would tell people like, don't get scared that there's big dogs in an industry because you're going to do it differently than them if you're really trying and you really care about it. And you're going to find some angle that they haven't thought about, or you're going to try to do it better, or you're going to try and treat your customers better, whatever. Like, don't worry about exactly what it is. Definitely. Just go in and do Definitely. it better. It's going to take you some time, right? But all if you just focus on doing good, like in everything, you, it, it'll eventually work out, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but so <clears throat> we realized we had to start making waves. Um, we decided after that, so in my, my job that I had former to Acuity, I was doing a lot of um, cooling system design in, like I said, F1 and LMP, not working for the teams, but working for a company that consulted to the teams. So um, like I helped design um, intercoolers for, for Ferrari Formula One, the intercooler that goes on that car, uh, radiators, um, oil coolers. I've designed radiators for um, Nissan LMP, um, Toyota LMP, which is Le Mans, Le Mans prototype gotcha. car. So, you know, these are the like closed cockpit cars that you see racing at Le Mans. Um, Porsche LMP, Audi, um, some of the DTM race cars, which are like the GT teams in, uh, in Europe. Um, we did some work with some US teams. Uh, we had worked with Haas F1. I, I didn't work on that project though, but um, have you seen the Cadillac? ATSV race cars in the mm, USA? No, I don't think so. Um, so. They have a twin turbo V8. It's fucking nasty. Wow. Um, I got to design the the uh, uh, cool carbon shelled uh, air to water intercoolers on those race cars, things like that. But the, the point is, I spent a lot of time around fluid flow, and like I learned, like okay, this is what you do, this is what you don't do with air at you know these temperatures or pressures or water or refrigerant, whatever. And um, so we were like, okay, we're in the night gen market where people kind of know who we are in the night gen market. Let's cater to that right now. And since those people are watching us. Um, so we said, okay, let's try and make a cold air intake that beats everybody's. Uh, not only in performance, but in quality. And so like um, that was the only goal, making that, that intake that we sell. Like let's go out and it's going to be the most badass intake you can buy. Not only in looks, but also in actual performance. Gotcha. And um, we, we designed it, and originally it was going to be aluminum. And um, I talked to my business partner, and I was just like, this is boring, dude. I don't want to make it anymore. It doesn't get me excited. I stop designing parts when they don't get me excited anymore. I just push it off to the side next yeah. uh, until, until I cook up an idea or I just let it die if I don't. Um, so at some point I was like, okay, we figured out how to make it the most powerful. But it's just not, it's not badass. So that's when we were like, carbon fiber. There you go. Uh, and so we made uh, the main tube of it out of carbon fiber, and we really put a lot of effort into, like, really just focusing on making the details of that kit really nice. So, like, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen those tubes? Um, uh, I'm not sure. Can I run and grab one? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, hold up. All right, guys, while well, he's going to grab the uh, carbon fiber intake right now, um, like I was saying earlier, make sure you guys shoot a text over to the call, 818-403-3473. Uh, it goes directly to my cell phone, and I'm the one answering. And we got a lot of products coming out. We actually have a product coming out uh, pretty soon, 
but it's going to come out after this podcast comes out. So you already missed out. But anyways, <laughs> what do we got, Russ? What's up, dude? I don't have Ooh. one that's bonded, um, but this is the carbon tube we came out with. Wow. And uh, can you see the weave in the yeah. video? Well? So this is actually this is actually inspired from the racing that we did. Um, this this is a really broad weave with like really wide toe, they call it, which are the strands. And uh, this is commonly what's used on uh, like the monocoques for Formula One and uh, like prototype race cars and stuff. So this was kind of like uh, homage to to that kind of like past career for us. Um, it normally has bonded on aluminum stuff. This one's just been prepped to be bonded, but we have these nice aluminum bits that we bond on. And we were just like, let's just like really make it like top notch. Wow, that looks uh, great. Thank you. God, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. I uh, like that. But, but so, you know, we just, we kind of like got into this rhythm where we just realized like, let's just do stuff tops. Yeah. Like it's, if we're going to do it, let's just, let's go all out and just, you know, if it winds, like if we accidentally design a $500 shifter, it's a $500 shifter, but we don't really focus on what we're going to sell it for when we're designing it. We're just like, let's just make it really nice. And then we'll sell it for whatever we need to, to run the business. Gotcha. You know, we don't really try and like cut corners to make stuff cheaper to make or anything like that. Um, so we kind of got in the habit of that with the intake and we released it and, uh, it, it was a slow start. And, um, that's another lesson for everybody on this. Like it's always going to be a slow start almost always until you're big, big and yeah. you're, you know, Kanye and you can just pop off a big shoe like that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so it started doing well, but uh, it eventually became like the standard in that in that little market, the ninth gen SI market, as the best intake that you can buy, not only in like quality and how it fit, but also in performance. And it was so much so uh, that another big company out there actually stopped selling theirs because they just weren't selling that many of them anymore. Oh, shit. Like a company that's much, much bigger than us. Wow. And when that happened, we were like, oh, shit. <laughs> Awesome, man. Um, so that was that was kind of where I feel like like that was the point where we're like, okay, like this is working. You know, we can make nice stuff, and um, that like shortly after that is when they started hyping the uh, forthcoming FK8. Yes. Um, and we were like, okay, we got a decent shifter for the nine gens. Let's be the first one to come out with a shifter for the ten gens, and let's put everything in it so that it's the first and the best. Yeah. I mean, that's a matter of opinion, you know, so like everybody has their own opinion, but like that was the goal, you know, let's drop this thing before anybody else and put whatever we have to put into it to make it awesome. Um, and so I think really it's the tensions where people started hearing about us. Gotcha. Because um, the tension market has just been crazy. Um, and so that shifter, I think, gave us a lot of credibility. And um, actually, because of that shifter and some of the other products that we make for the 10 gens, we, uh, we now are actually a, um, we're pretty well plugged in with all the race teams at Honda. Um, so like, so we worked with, you saw the, the um, like green and purple car that we raced last year. The one at Gridlife? What? Yeah, it was the one at Gridlife. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was that. That car was owned by a fellow named Kevin Boehm, who's a, actually a test driver for Honda. Cool. Uh, yeah, dude, he actually did development on the NSX. 
Very cool. Uh, like test driving. He's done something like 300, 400 laps in Nürburgring. Whoa. In Germany. Very cool. Dude, it's crazy. So we, we were fortunate to link up with him. We designed some custom parts just for his race car that like you can't even get for a street car. Uh, we gave him some of the street car parts, like that shifter. And um, he, he worked at Honda, and he was partially funded by Honda. And then some of the other teams at Honda were like, hey, we need to get on this. Yeah. So we wound up, we work with a rally team um, that's out of Ohio where Kevin is. They're sponsored by Maxxis, the tire company. Mm -hmm. But they have a uh, K-Swap CRZ. They call it the KRZ. They have a Tension SI, I think it is. And then they have a fit and they rally race them all. It's Got dope, you. dude. Very Our videographer cool. goes out with them. Uh, Powen, most of you, like, if you know about us, you probably know about Powen because he's on our uh, YouTube a lot. Uh-huh. Uh, he goes out to those rally events and gets to, like, climb in the bushes and uh, shoot videography of the rally races. And nice. Stuff. With them, uh, do you know uh, Team Honda Research West? They're out on your side of the, of the country. No. So they're actually, they're based out of California. It's a team of like Honda's designers uh, that operate a pair of FK8s that run the 25 hours of Thunder Hill. They've had other cars in the past, but that's gotcha. what they race right now. Like their, their car was in the Enki booth at SEMA last year. Okay. Got you. It's, yeah. Uh, red, as red, far white, as, uh, as far as like racing and, and stuff goes, I'm, I'm kind of a. Uh clueless onto a lot of that that's okay dude you're you're like i've i've watched so i've watched a bunch of your videos uh i don't want to say a bunch but I, I tried to watch a good bit of them and you're way more plugged into like the um like grassroots drag industry yeah drag racing uh, more of the 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 like honda culture uh you know yeah. socal culture of it and then um you know as much as i've been traveling just seeing how the culture is in other parts of the country and things like that but uh, you know, I'm I'm really not the guy to say like uh, I have an FC7. Uh, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I don't even know what that is. You know? Yeah, yeah. I know we so like I I wouldn't call us like the most knowledgeable OGs of Honda either. Um, I've always appreciated Honda. Um, one of my favorite vehicles I ever owned was a Ruckus. Oh hell yeah, dude! Yeah, I love Ruckuses. Rip around town on that Ruckus. I yep. loved it. I had it in college. Yeah. Um, but and actually, I'm working on a drift car build right now. That's a K swapped BMW. Ooh, nice. Yeah. What body BMW? Uh, do you know the 318 Ti? No. Do you you know the E36s? Yeah. Right? Um. So you know, there's a sedan and a coupe. Okay. Okay. So have you seen the one? It's it's like a coupe, but it's a hatchback, and the back is kind of like squished in. Yeah. 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 That it's like a goofy looking E36. It looks like a it. Hyundai Accent hatchback kind of. It kind of looks like <laughs> it looks like a rear wheel drive EK. Like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Rear -wheel drive EK. I know what you're talking about. And I'm doing a, a turbo uh, K28 two swap in it. Sick. Thousand gearbox. K swap the world, it's man. Have straight cut gears. Hell What's yeah. that? It's a K swap the world. Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. We're, we're working on that. And then the other race car build we're working on, um, it's just starting, um, is a K20C1 swap, which is the Type R motor. Yeah. Um, into an RSX Type S. Oh, very cool. And that's going to be a time attack car. Very hopefully cool. next year. Got you. Um, but anyway, so I, what I want to say, that, like, you know, because we keep coming back to, like, people um, 
starting businesses Definitely. and what they need to know. Like I look at you and how you're plugged into the, like um, the drag racing community and stuff like that. And to me, that's pretty intimidating. Cause I'm like, I'm in the same group of people. I don't know shit about that. Yeah. So like I was coming on here and I was like, man, I hope he doesn't talk about drag because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, I, don't, I, I know a lot about drag racing uh, as far as the culture, but I'm not sure how many of them actually like me out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, I come from drag racing just from when I first started, you know, going street racing and then yeah. just being into it but like the point that. Is like you, you and I took like, like diametrically opposed paths and they like, they both got us here. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't look down on any other sort of racing. It's just not my, my no, specialty. I like I, I, I would love to drag racing. I, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I would just, I would love to know more about, you know, uh, time attack racing and, you know, even more of the drifting community and things like that. But it's just, it's with time, man, it's hard. It is hard. I, I dude, I love going to the grid life events, Hell with yeah. the, the drifting and the time attack and everything. That is such a good time. And most of the people there, like it's, I would say I, I know that like some racing sometimes there's like some toxicity in the paddocks from like rivalries. Yeah. I would say there's really not a lot of that there. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's that's really what attracts it to me. Like everybody's just kind of broing out with these Yeah, guys, definitely. You know? And it's a it's a good time. Like we would go and like honestly when we were going with Kevin Boehm, he was driving, so it really wasn't on us to like win races or anything. That was really his thing. We were there just to have a good time, shoot some video. Um Next year we'll be a little bit more competitive with it, but like, there's people out there that are like way more experienced than us and stuff. And uh, man, I don't care if I get beaten by them. Like yeah. they earned it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, um, uh, Will All Young, PZ Tuning Will. Mm. You, you've seen his car before, almost definitely. He's got a really nasty uh, Time Attack Ninth Gen. Okay. Here, let me. Uh, Can you see that white Civic right there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you've seen it before. You've one hundred percent seen it before. Okay. This guy is nasty. That car has gone to Japan. It's gone to Australia and set lap records all around the world. But like being able to go to those events and hang out with those people and like have a conversation with those people, it's dope, dude. It's it's humbling. You yeah. know? Hell yeah. Like that don't give you the time of day. So I I just I love the camaraderie there. Dude, all of this shit is so humbling, bro. A lot of these guys that I looked up to when I just first joined the forums are like my good friends now. You know, yeah. like like a Rywire. I remember going on the forums and seeing Rywire and be like, oh my God, that dude is like the best, you know? And we yeah, just. Yeah, you guys are like the SoCal click. Yeah, dude, we talk all the time and it's rarely even about cars. You know, it's, it's awesome, man. But, um,. You just have to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations and you have to humble as many yourself. As possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I do it all the time. You know, I uh, humble yourself down, go over to somebody, talk to them. And then it's just like with podcasting, man, you talk for a little while, you see their walls coming down and coming down. And after that, now you have a connection in that sort of world. But if you yeah. don't do that, it's never going to happen. And so yeah. many of these relationships that I have to this day, if I was the one that didn't make that connection, we would have met, never maybe even made a connection or it would have been in the future. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So really podcasting has helped me out so much, man. I feel like I can go up to anybody and just have a conversation about yeah. dirt, whatever, you know? 
but it's uh it's dope man this this industry is awesome and there's so many there's so many different subcultures to it and that's what i really like about it it's it's not like that you could get burnt out of it because if you get burnt out in the car show community or in the race community there's always something else that you can check out yeah and there's different circles for all of them like if if you're going to ibok and you're like man i've been to all the ibox there's other shows that you can check out Definitely. or race series like you want to do like and at grid life what's cool is you can do like there's people that show up with a drift car and a time attack car yeah do both yeah and then go party at night yep yeah hell yeah dude do it all again for so let, about three days and so let's a uh lot of let's fast forward to uh present day what are the products that you offer and is it still around like the ninth, 10th gen Civic kind of stuff or have you expanded to um, maybe older makes and models? I would say the ninth and 10th gen Civic is definitely our core market right now. Um, but we make parts for Hondas basically since the K-Series started being a motor. So like the EP3s and the RSXs. Got you. Um, and we're, we're trying to expand our lineup into having more of the older cars included. Um, so anybody that's like been drooling over a ninth gen or 10th gen shifter we make, like know that we're, we're working on a lot of different shifters for a lot of older platforms uh, to try and get it all inclusive. But I would definitely say that the ninth gen Civic and the 10th gen Civic is like our core market. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Is that something that you, you want to stick with or, or in the future, what would you like everything to look like? What would you like the business to look like in the future? That's hard to say, man. Um, I think that we don't we don't really plan our business that way. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of look at it on like a more short term basis of maybe like three to six months. Got you. Um, and we really just try and like focus on our strengths um, and focus on delivering like good products. So. I would say like what we do is we come up with maybe like six months of products that we want to attack to 12 months of products. We work through those and then we have, we sit down and we say like, what are we good at now? Uh, what does the market need? Um, I don't know if we'll always make just Honda parts. We've mm -hmm. definitely talked about getting into other brands. Um, but nothing gets me, nothing gets me quite excited right now. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I really believe in what we're doing. You know what I mean? Um, so I think over the next year, you'll see a lot more shifters come out. Um, you're going to see more like shifting related products, possibly some intakes. It's all going to be Honda uh, based. Um, and then beyond that, I really don't know, man. Yeah. I'm not sure. I kind of, I kind of wait for it to like reveal itself. You know, yeah. we, it's, it's not like we don't spend time talking about it and thinking about it, but I'd be lying to you if I told you that I had a plan for a year from now and that I was going to stick to it and only do that. Yeah. Because I, I find out every month that I'm doing something stupid or something that I shouldn't need, shouldn't be doing anymore. Yeah. No. So I, I feel like anybody that like goes into a business and they're like, I haven't started this business, but here's my five-year plan. Like you don't need a five-year plan. <laughs> yeah. You agree with that? Definitely, dude. I don't have a five-year plan. I don't even have a one-year plan. It's like a five-year plan, dude. I just know that in five years that we're going to be in a better situation than we are now because five yeah, years ago... you're going to do less dumb shit and more smart shit. Yeah. That's it, dude. Like, that's, that's just how it goes. I, I'd like to know when a five-year plan has actually worked for something. I feel like maybe... Maybe if we were like, okay, we're going to start this billion-dollar company, and here's the roadmap. Exactly. Like, if you can think about it at that level, then maybe there's a five-year roadmap, but 
you're not going to know that roadmap unless you've traveled that path before. Yeah. You know, like if I told you start Downstar 2, uh, it's this whole new market and you were like, oh, wow, I can apply my my same like strategies to that. You could probably build out a few years, right? Oh, yeah. Like, this is how we're going to market. This is how we're going to do products. This is how we're going to treat customers. This is the software we're going to use. This is how much money we're going to save, things like that. But the only reason that you would know that is because you've done it. Yeah, definitely. I've never met someone that would tell me those things and then be right. Like every business owner I've met does it differently and it might not work for me. Yeah, which is the the very attractive thing about business. When you talk to so many other business owners, you realize that your path is so different, but they're doing it. They're making it and they have a business. So you don't have to have the same the same mentality that they do, the same idea, the same five year plan. We're gonna do yep. this, do that. You know, your business can be catered to you to represent you. And that's what I it want. Yeah, that's what I want our brand to represent. It. Definitely, dude. I'm I'm in love with the brand, dude. Every day it's just everything is downstar because downstar is a representation of of me everything that we do is a representation of my creativity and it's not to make more money you know as as dumb as that kind of sounds you know my my motivations are not towards money anymore it's more about you know freedom and creativity and i've i'm i'm a very creative person and those are the things that i want to focus on and whether that's building washers and bolts and things like that or some other automotive product or a podcast whatever it is dude that's what i want to focus on and um we're gonna get a lot more into actually building cars here in shop because that's what i see is fun right now you know and if you keep living if you keep running the business how you want to run it and not how anybody else wants you to run it if you keep doing whatever you're gonna do you're gonna have fun for the rest of your life and make money for sure and that, that's why we don't plan it out because like maybe in five years I won't be interested in the same exact thing yeah. or something. So we just leave it kind of fluid. I love it, man. So I've seen that you've come out with a lot of other products in a, in different colors other than purple. Was that a, a conscious decision? Yeah. Uh, so, so teal is like our secondary color. So you see that come out? Um, we came out with red because people like red. Yeah. We just couldn't fight it. We couldn't fight it anymore. Getting too many DMs when you're yeah. coming out with red. Yeah. We're like, we really prefer red when it's got more blue in it. So it yeah. looks purple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, you know, I mean, people want what people want. And we were like, okay, we'll, we'll make red parts. But we, we try to, like, put our foot down on stuff. Like, shifters always have a purple accent. Yeah. And if you don't want a purple accent on it, then go buy a shittier shifter. Yeah. I feel you. <laughs> if that- you want the best? Buy the one with the purple. Yeah. Branding, bro. That's what it's about. You stick to that, that's your color. Yep. I love it, dude. Okay. So wh- what can we look forward to uh, in the near future? You guys got anything coming out? Any any secrets you could drop? Um. So we're working on shifters for, for like I said, I, I can't, so I can't give applications, but we're working on shifters for like basically every significant car. Gotcha. Honda has made since about 2000. Gotcha. Um, and we're working on a lot of shifter cables as well. Um, we're doing some work with Hosport. Cool. Uh, a swapping of, uh, the newer motors, the L15 B7s. Yes. I think it's B7. 
and the K20C motors from the Type R and the Accord, uh, easier to swap into the older chassis. So basically, like everything up to the mid 80s. I love it. Uh, Hell so, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Hotsport's been awesome. We've been working with them, trying to like basically they're kind of like working on mounts, and we're trying to support them with shifting upgrades. Very uh, cool. So it's easier to do the swap. So that's happening. Um, and then I'm I'm super pumped about the race car builds we have going. I'm super pumped about 2021. Um, so like part of the reason that we built we're building race cars um, is because I don't have I wouldn't say I have enough experience actually building them from the ground up. I've I like I'm I've been to Italy and I've been in Ferrari and done engineering con- consultation with engineers there, but I've and I and I built like street cars too, but I've never been like okay, I'm going to build a nasty race car from the ground up, you know, built motor Full wiring harness and the whole chassis, PDM system, got just you. everything, everything. Um, and so we've got the the 318 Ti K28 swap. That's going to be like 600 horsepower we're shooting for. Nice. Um, and that's going to be a drift car. But the the real one that's going to be more like geared towards acuity branding, that's the RSX race car with the K20C1 swap. That hopefully we'll be racing in uh, Grid Life Time Attack next year in. Um, so I'm, I'm super pumped to build those cars and get my hands dirty. That's been keeping me busy on the weekends. I love it, man. Sounds good, brother. So what's the next event you guys are going to be at, um, vending? Uh, hopefully, hopefully Ibach in gotcha. September. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, perfect. We got, a, we got a huge booth. We like built all new stuff for the booth. Uh, it's like twice as big, really nice displays. It's funny. We built it in like February Yeah. and then boom, COVID hit and we were like, shit. What are we going to do with this nice booth? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but hopefully Eibach. And I'm, okay. I'm super pumped about it. I've never been to Eibach ever. Very I've only cool. been to California like twice. Really? So, yeah, so I've never been to Eibach. We're going to that. Um, and then the week after Eibach in September. That's uh, an Import Alliance? After, it'll be Import Alliance. And that's uh, Atlanta Import Alliance. Yeah, yeah. Got so you. that's that should be at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Got you. Have you ever done an H day before? I haven't. I've had a bunch of people tell me to go to H day, but it's just, you know how it is. Like you, you like plan events and you're just like, I don't know if I could squeeze another one in, man. I I know we got to do it. We'll probably do it in 2021. 2021. Um, you have to make that for sure. Make it happen. Let's plan one together. Okay. Go to the same one. Yeah, no, definitely. there's, yeah, there's, there's two of them. There's three of them throughout the year, but of course this year is is just weird. What's you know? the one that you like to go to? All of them. I'll go to all of them. So um, so let's look. Let's coordinate. Let's go to the let's go to the same one and we'll chill. We can get our yeah, boost next week. Definitely, man. Um, especially for Ibach too. I'll go ahead and talk to Ryan if we could get next to each other. That would be cool. And then um, yep. if you can come down to the shop, that would be awesome, man. We can hang I'd out love here. To come down to the shop. We're we're gonna try and be there for a few extra days. Perfect. So I'd love to do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. We'll bring some masks. Hell yeah! <laughs> if you're if you're uh, if you're ever coming down to New Orleans like for vacation or anything, similarly hit yeah, us up. Yeah, definitely, man. I would love to, to make go it out to there. Orleans and uh, take you out for dinner in Baton Rouge or something. Awesome, Russ. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. it was It was great to have this combo with you because I've seen you around. We've had a few conversations, but um, I uh, I wanted to know more about the business, man. I'm glad we got to sit down. I really appreciate you having us on. And I'm, I'm sorry I uh, spooked you with the golf cart in Atlanta that time. <laughs> I, I was like screaming, like, I'm like, Frank, Frank. And I'm like driving the go-kart. And you're like, who the fuck is this? 
and dude. I was like, oh shit, he doesn't know me at all. I'm I'm just creeping on this dude. It really it really takes me a few times and significant conversations to remember somebody. I really no, it's wish all, it's all good. It's all good. You know, everybody listening, dude, I wish that I well, can. And, I, and the truth is I saw you so many times before <laughs> then, like on Instagram and stuff. So I see you and I'm like, it's fucking Frank. Yeah. You know? And then you're like, who is this crazy asshole yeah. in a golf cart? I love so meeting I, no, crazy people. It's all though. good. I felt bad afterwards. I was like, maybe I should have done that more chill. Nah, you're good, like, bro. <laughs> running you're up good. on him on a golf cart. But I'm glad we were have, able to have this conversation, brother. Yeah. All right, guys. So before we get out of here, dude, let's uh, let's go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you at. Okay. So uh, so our website is acuityinstruments.com. We're on Instagram at acuityinstruments. Uh, and then we also have a YouTube channel that we update pretty frequently with uh, hype videos, really solid install guys, stuff like that. That's youtube.com slash acuityinstruments. Rock and roll, man. So we'll have it uh, listed below. And uh, big shout out to you guys, man. I, I've seen you ever since 2016. I've been keeping an eye uh, for everybody that's listening. I keep an eye at everything that goes on in the community, every brand that is coming out. And whether I say anything or not, I'm watching. And um, I, I really just like how you guys are moving out here, dude. Uh, I like I the products it. that you're coming out with, the way that you market um, you know, just the way that you, that you hold yourself online, that says a lot because there's a lot of newer brands that come around that don't do that. And it's very off putting to people that have been I re around. I really appreciate that. We we're like, really our only goal is to just like bring the community up. Hell yeah. I love it, man. Anything we could ever do to help out, please let me know. Just give me a tour of Downstar, dude. Shit, you can come hang out here, dude. We'll, we can do another podcast in studio, uh, 18 and over podcast. <laughs> yeah let's do it party in here man but um guys make sure you check out acuity we'll have it listed below check out the youtube channel and uh please please check out our sponsor heel toe automotive they've been around since 2002 supplying you guys with the, the honda parts that you need uh and they actually have a special deal man so if you listen to the commercial that was in the middle of the podcast go uh hit them up and uh take advantage of that deal that's heeltoeauto.com or on instagram at heel automotive and uh russ thank you man i appreciate your time brother thank you frank of course man this is downtime with downstar episode 181 and we're out peace